This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. What I'm getting at is that these people, when they, when you inspire diversity, when you inspire more diverse people to come to your place, they, uh, nothing changes minds more than friendship. Nothing. Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by Manadeprive.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. Anything that costs a shit ton of mana, you're just like, bang! And they're like, fuck. How does that go? Bang! Fuck. <laughs> Jay Boosh. And that's like the hyper angle. I never want to play in another GP again. I, want to, I never, ever want to play in another GP. And Jeremy. And you're the reason I play Magic today. I'm like, I just like, I die. I die. I was like, like just melting on the inside like that. I have inspired this kid to play Magic. And now, the A-Team. Yo, J-Bush. My butthole's burning. I'm on some kind of new diet. And I was going to do this podcast then. I just shit real bad, and all of a sudden it's 8 o'clock instead of 7 o'clock, and I feel really bad. But I'm back! I'm back again. Um, I don't really remember how to do this. It's like an episode of the show. It's like 261. Uh, there's like a Mexican on here, I think, now. Uh, but it's not John Medina, so I'm sorry to disappoint you. Um, we still have our uh, assassin, but he's not silent anymore. Pretty annoying. No, no, I'm not. No, he is. He is. He's silent again. You know what, though? He's pretty fucking useless. He works at face-to-face games, and I'm like, hey, look at what I'm having little problems with my account. It's a KYT face-to-face account. And he's like, you fucking noob. I'm not helping you. Uh, and then we have Jeremy. I don't know anything about that, actually. He was up in the north somewhere, in like yeah. the middle of nowhere. Now he's fucking... Home or something. I'm I at home because I'm like uh, a hobo. Fucking scrub town. Yeah. Yeah. Maximum scrub town. Me too, maximum scrub town. All I do is fucking poop and look for jobs all day. So, Well, if you don't have much on your fucking schedule, maybe you could show up on time. But you think oh, that? Oh, you think oh, that when yeah. I, I was on my way down and I fucking went on my computer and as soon as I touched the mouse, my fucking asshole was like, now. And luckily there's a bathroom six-ish feet from where I'm sitting right now. And I just went in there, and it, like, it smells like I murdered. It smells like Stephen Avery in there. And, um, so, yeah? you know, I tried to be on time, man. It's not my fault. It's a conspiracy. You should just look shit into that. conspiracy. A shit conspiracy. A crap conspiracy. Yeah, look into that. That's what I'm <laughs> crap conspiracy. There we go. Well, Jay, welcome back. Thank you. I, I'm not Mexican, by the way. Oh, what are you? I mean, not I'm Venezuelan. Venezuelan. Venezuelan? Holy I, that's, shit! That's two Venezuelan friends I have. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> oh, that's I'm, I'm your whitest. I know. <laughs> uh, I'm your whitest token Venezuelan friend. Nice. I guarantee that. 
You're Venezuelan. That's very interesting to know. I did not know that. Yep. Awesome. So you're like the Olympics. I don't get that joke. What? Aren't the Olympics in Venezuela? No. And that's all for this week, gents. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> Look, Jay came. Have Jay. Fuck yeah, off. That's right. What? What? <laughs> Good cast, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jay. Yeah, yo. Magic man. stuff. Did you pre-release it all? Nope, I was gonna. Then some shit came up on the weekend, and I had to move it to Sunday. Then oh, no one does fuck. <laughs> no one does pre-releases in Calgary on Sunday, apparently. Oh. And if they do, it's not online. It's not on Facebook. It's not on fucking anywhere. And you can't phone them because no one has a goddamn phone. And when you do phone them, they don't answer. And you leave a message, and then no one fucking phones back. Why the fuck do you have voicemail if you don't phone me back, dick? So no, I did. I played cube. I cubed. Okay. But I, I didn't uh, pre-release it. Any of you. I was excited. I haven't touched a magic card in, like, it's like a tit. I haven't touched it in forever. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what the fuck have you been doing? I was excited! And then, no... Fuck like, you. no, but what have you been doing? Like, you've been gone forever. Bitch. Uh, well, I was in school, and school <laughs> okay. kicked my ass, man. It Did was you like, kick it back? I thought I was going to fail. Like, I was ready... I was ready to be a plumber or a fucking drywaller. <laughs> I was on the way, man. It was the hardest fucking years like any schooling i've ever done in my life and then the exam was the hardest fucking exam ever uh and then i got a 95 on it nice yeah, yeah, yeah. go for terry acting celebration no what did i do oh i went for fucking karaoke for in celebration karaoke. <laughs> yeah so yeah so yeah um, and then, uh, but that's what I was doing. And I literally, like, I, I tried, like, I was, like, in the first couple of weeks, like, they eased us into it. So, like, it was really shitty because they, uh, they tried to teach us something. And, like, in first year, I was used to the pace of, like, a module per day per class. And a module is a concept. So, for example, if you're talking about magic, to, like, bring it to our level and, you know, talk about magic on our magic podcast. It's, like, today in... Like, theory class, we're going to talk about, like, card advantage. The theory of card advantage. And we're going to talk about that today for two hours. And then tomorrow, you're expected to know everything about card advantage because we're not stopping. We're moving on to fucking mulliganing. Okay? Okay. And then in, like, in fucking lab class, we're working on a project where you got to figure you got to do some kind of deck building bullshit with some shit ball, like, card that no one's ever going to play with. But you got to know how it works for some reason. Because I don't know, it's school, and then Keep you got and then you got you got code class where you just got to know some random like what's rule seven hundred six point one one three, Jeremy? Eh, what's that? You that know. is uh, get fucked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you got you just doing that, and it, and in first year it was one of those per class per day. So you had like like fucking so much fucking homework, and like you were learning these concepts at such a fast pace that if you stumble, you're like. Mulliganing? I don't even know what card advantage is. I just never mulligan. Like, what the fuck? So, in second year, what they did is the first week of class is basically review. But I didn't know that. They didn't tell you that. So, Monday, I went in and I, like, read all my code and my rules for magic. And I read, like, the shit out of the fucking card advantage module. And I even built a full deck and I playtested the shit out of it. And then I fucking 
ran the gauntlet, and I was the best modern master player of all time. And then I fucking go to class on Tuesday, and they're like, page three. And I'm like, page three? There's fucking 35 pages of this module. I was on page 12, like, yesterday. What do we do for two hours in theory class reading about card advantage and shit? How, who's on page three? Page three. And then they only got to, like, page six. So I had nothing to do for, like, the first <laughs> week. So I kind of slacked, and I just, did, you know, played some moto drafts. And, like, oh. Max Sam wasn't on fucking moto draft. So I, you know, and then exams come, and you're like, well, what the fuck? I don't remember any of this. This is from, like, Monday. Monday was, like, basically a year ago. I don't know about Mulligan. Like, I'm on, I'm fucking so far past that I'm, like, I'm on, like, Jedi mind tricks and how to fucking palm cards and how to hold your hand with 13 cards in it so no one can see and shit. That's where I'm at. I'm on two explorers. I'm on that. Like, <laughs> I can't go back to fucking drafting and shit. So then I had to really buckle down for seven. <laughs> then I was ready to come back. And then I got an email from an assassin, and he said, I want to take a break, because I'm I'm a tired little bitch. So, I, that's, so then I was like, alright, take a break. Then last week, I had some very important business meetings to attend to. <laughs> and I obviously couldn't make the show. Sometimes it's tough to fit those things between the lines. Yes. And there were some shady business deals. Yes, I tell absolutely, you. absolutely. I had to really buckle down, uh, yeah. you know, to really review the outlines. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. I didn't even play. I, I wish I could tell you like a sweet story about my time off, but I like didn't play any games. I didn't play any board games. I didn't play any fucking Star Wars Biz Buddies, <laughs> which I've, I got for Christmas and started playing when we were taking our break, and no one's watching my goddamn stream. Everybody's like, Jay, if you stream, you should stream. We'll watch it. Oh, yes. I and love then fucking nobody does it, cunt. <laughs> and it, I know you don't watch it because I have an iPad that shows me. I'm there. And there's fucking none ever. You Except stream? Durward. Caleb, I mean, not Durward. Caleb Haldane. He does a pretty sweet Star Wars uh, podcast called... Does anybody know what it's called? No. Rogue something? Fuck, I wanted to plug it. I'll plug it in a minute. But, uh... <clears throat> Rogue something. Yeah, he uh, he. It's pretty sweet. It's like nerd mostly, but like most Star Wars. And uh, he started out as magic, but then I think he was like that's for chumps. And I was like, yeah, it is. Uh, and then so oh, it's called Red Sticks to Golden Corral. You can find it at redsticks2goldencorral.com. Um, he so is that like it. the is that like the demise of the Empire? Is they they become like they go from this. The Red Six, like this elite uh, star, you know, starship fighting unit to like golden, you know, going like, to yeah, golden corral the... buffets and stuff. Is that? Yeah, like could you imagine like Darth Vader trying to fit in his feet armor and he's just like <laughs> fat as shit and he's like, <laughs> I got the breastplate stretch off. I don't know. Wait, Most of the, the larger people I know kind of breathe the same way as Darth Vader. <laughs> That's Very true. true. Like, ask rack guy, probably he's like, oh, and like the emperor's all like trying to fit in his robe, but his robe like skin tight. You seen those guys walking around? He's got like translucent skin at that point. Oh, yeah, you can like see his muscles moving around. Yeah, yeah. Chicken fat. Um, yeah. So red six golden crowd like um, um, but nobody fucking watches. No, I and play laser buddies. Guys, fucking laser buddies, sweetest 
sweetest dream ever. Come on, please, buddy. Um, but yeah. Well, what is it? I have no even. Uh, what is Star Wars that? Battlefront? It's fucking a first-person shooter, but it's fucking Star Wars. Yeah, I was right, oh, before, right before you got on the yeah. call, Jay. I was running around with a space shotgun. Yeah, and it's like one of the worst fucking games ever made in terms of like balancing and. Oh yeah. Because, like, it's basically just a piece of shit game uh, compared to, like, you, you can't really put out games like that and not be the best ever when you are competing with things like uh, Call of Duty, right? Which is selling, like, billions of dollars in revenue. Every well, it, 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 it cures itself to a less intense crowd. It does, it does. But the thing is, that's fine. You can be less intense, but you also have to bring the heat. Like, you got to bring a game that actually fucking works. You know, it's it's but you know what? It's Star Wars. It is fucking Star Wars. I mean, it, you you gotta give them a little bit of credit. They they don't really have you know with like Battlefront and stuff. They they have built their own engine. Like they have everything to go off of. Whereas with the Star like a game like Battlefront, like they have an existing IP they have to work with, and there's only you know I'm sure there's only so much stuff they can do. Whatever. Well, the one thing that I thought was really interesting, and if we're going to be a Star Wars uh, podcast, uh, someone was telling me uh, they want to add new heroes, but they don't want to go to the original saga or the the whatever the early saga, the Anakin saga thing. But who do you add for villains? Who are the bad guys that you add? Yeah, for like villains? you can't add Darth Maul. No, there's no there's no bad guys to add. Yeah, like I guess you could add like like the extended universe ones or something. No, they don't want to do that either. Okay, so then... So Greedo? Yeah, like, Greedo, ooh, that'd be sweet. Fuck that would be Greedo. the only one. Oh, shit. Jabba the Hutt? Oh, you can just be a fat guy, and all you do is drive around on a fucking sand barge, and that's all you do, and then all your attacks are just really awesome, cheeky, like, solo. So I would play that every time. And then maybe you could give, like, power-ups, like Leia. Leia's pretty shitty, but she gives power-ups all the time. Which, like, is weird. In this video game, there's little things on the ground that you can pick up, and they give you power-ups, like fucking turrets, and sniper shit, and smart rockets, and grenades that, like, melt your fucking face off and shit. But no one cares. No one picks those up. And I am, like, it's like catnip, and I'm a kitty. It's, I, like, see that shit, and I'm like, oh, shit, power-ups! And then I just die ten times, because some guy just sits right in front of the power-up and, like, shoots me, because they know I'm running at it. But I'm, like, the only guy. It's fucking weird. I don't know. But uh, I would play a jab of the hut, and he could maybe throw out like, you know, and then maybe he could like trap you in the rancor pit or some shit. Have a sarlacc pit, a barge. Yes. Maybe he could have a barge you just flies around on. My brother in law's like, well, the sarlacc. I'm like, wow, that would be a great hero. Yeah, you just sit in the ground. Yeah, you just sit in a fucking <laughs> hole and wait for some dumbass. You could probably like, still clean up on the kills. You probably would, knowing that game, you know, <laughs> and then, like the amount of hackers and shit, and then you just you just fucking yeah, you just sit there, and then. If someone falls in, you get the kill. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fucking. I like this game. But yeah, it's pretty fun. But nobody watches my shit, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. So good. I find it so funny because I've, I know, I, I've remember, I'm seeing flashes of the Twitter stream in my head of all these guys telling you that you should do it, and you got fucked, right? <laughs> Just absolutely fucked. No one gives a shit. Well, that's how it works. You just you, everybody tells you, "Oh yeah, yeah, you should do it. Totally right? do it." 
Right. And then when you're just like, please come show up, pay pay an entry fee or do nothing or just just tune to my website. Yeah. Yes. Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. Fuck that. No. Nope. <laughs> and that's why I always tell people like, no. Like if someone says like, so for example, let's say a certain someone was like, hey man, you want to listen to my podcast? And I was like, yeah, like when I can, I will. And then they're like, hey man, you listen to that podcast? I'm like, no man, sorry, it's like school. And then they're like, oh, okay, that's cool, it's cool. And then they just keep asking me over and, over. and that's fine. You can ask me like a hundred times because I'm not like, look, dude, I'm not going to listen to your fucking podcast. Fuck up. I'm just like, I'm just busy and I'm not listening to your shit. Like I can't. I'm just busy. And I don't say it. I, I, you know, I don't say like, oh yeah, for sure, I'll listen to it. I say like, it's, I'm busy. I'll listen to it when I can listen to it. And then you just keep bothering me and shit. You're like, hey man, you listen to listen to it. And eventually I will because I'll just, I just forget immediately. But it's like, that's what I think most people are doing. But then like these people are just fucking assholes because they're like, hey man, you should do a stream. You'd make so much money. You're so entertaining. I love you. You're the best, Jay Bush, and I would watch it all the time. And then I'll stream like fucking morning, afternoon, night, weekends, evenings, holidays, Mondays, every, all the time. Fucking nobody gives a shit about Jay Bush and his stream. Well, you cubed, right? I cubed, like, the other day, I cubed. Oh, uh, tell us about that. What day was that? Friday? It's pretty fun. We had, like, an eight-man cube. I drafted... I drafted 14 Mountain Wasteland Mono Red, and I thought that Wasteland was strip mine. I always forget that Wasteland <laughs> is not strip mine, because everyone talks about how great Wasteland is, and when I go to buy a Wasteland, it's like three hundred dollars. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Wasteland's actually not that great in cube. Kind of sucks. I should have just been playing either fourteen mountains or fifteen mountains. I think and I had sideboard for wasteland, but uh, that's pretty fun. I had a good time. Um, you know, my deck went four zero, and I never go four zero when I cube ever because I always try to do fun stuff that are like the best stuff. Because doing the best stuff over and over again, especially in cube, is like pretty boring. Were you playing um, with Easy Beasy? Yeah, I was playing with Easy Beasy. He gave me a ginger beer, which I'd never had before. Okay. That was pretty sweet. It tastes like fucking ginger beer. And like that might sound like a stupid comment to make, but like ginger ale doesn't really taste like ginger. This tastes like a refreshing this tastes like what a rich vacation on a yacht tastes like. That's what okay. it tastes like. And then at the end of the taste, it's like a spicy ginger taste. Like you just ate a piece of ginger in like a stir fry. Yeah. Very refreshing while I cube. Very nice. In the scorching heat of the mono red. Uh, what else happened at that cube? It was fun. Like we did an eight man, which was interesting because we never do eight man. Like normally we do six man team draft, right? Yeah. So we did an eight man and it was pretty interesting. You got a lot of cool decks and stuff. Um, I wish I would, you know, have more to say, but I don't really know. I mean, was it your cube? Much. Yeah, it's my cube. Yeah. You can find it at uh, com slash. I think it's UCube6972. Or just search for Jay's Cube. Yeah. I'll put the link in the phone. In the, in the phone. Put it in the phone. In the phone. But, uh, yeah, it was my cube. Um, and we played regular cube, too. Like, we didn't play Commander Cube or Stipulation Cube or anything. We just played regular, like, straight-up drafter deck and shit. And it was interesting because I hadn't played that in a long time. And one of the things that's, like, kind of interesting about regular cube is like i don't know like i don't know how much limited you play map but like you know how people when they all they always say like you shouldn't lock in i think jeremy's really good at this they say you shouldn't lock in like your color based on your first or 
couple picks. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's like if you get, like, say, like a Chandra or, like, uh, say you got, like, a Brimaz in um, Born of the Gods or something, right? You, I mean, Brimaz is an insane card, especially in Limited. But, like, if that, if you can't build a deck that he can be played in, regardless of color restriction, but even if you just can't get, you know, to a deck where he's going to be doing something, you shouldn't try to force it. But, I mean, you know, in cube, it's, there's nothing on the line. It's kind of casual. I mean, I still like to win. I, I still, you know, it's still competitive for me. But, I mean, it's not like if, you know, I'm not like trying to get on the pro team. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's like there's still people that, you know, they don't, they even though they're good players, it'll be like they're all in on their first pick or, you know, or they're like, <laughs> they pick something like, like fucking, uh, like Hero of Oxid Ridge or Hellrider, which are like insane cards in the mono red deck. And then they try to force mono red and they end up with either the deck that has mostly guys and no burn or mostly burn and no guys. And then they can't like get to there because someone else was drafting those cards too, right? Um, so uh, like my first card that I drafted, I think was like, was like Sword of War and Peace, which I normally don't do. I used to draft swords very highly. And then I realized that they're not actually that great unless they're body in mind, which is like cheating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're actually, and I, I mean, like, I don't know if I can quantify it. I've been out of the game for so long. But like swords, just they seem really great in normal environments. But in like a cube environment, like they're they're the best equipment still, but they're not. They're just not better than like a just solid guy that's good anyway because it's cube, right? So I took a sword because the pack was kind of shitty, and then I took like I didn't really get anything that like put me into mono red. But I noticed that every time a pack was going by, there was at least two red cards in it. And they were, like, really good red cards, not just, like, garbage. But they were, like, just top-tier cards that you'd want, like Flame Tongue Cavu. And, you know, cards like Fire Imp and Lightning Bolt would be in the same pack. And it's like, okay, well, maybe Fire Imp, you know, it's not the greatest card. But, like, Lightning Bolt, all right, I'll take the Bolt. The Imp might table. And then, of course, it did, right? (laughs) So... That was my draft. And then there were some people that just, like, you know, they drafted, like, they were trying to draft, like, the Tinker, Ulamog, uh, Blightsteel, Colossus, Ramp deck, or, like, combo deck, not Ramp, but, like, Show and Tell. And then they just, like, forgot that, like, my cube doesn't have the tight, like, the, the Twin Towers in it. It doesn't have Emrakul in it. It doesn't have Tinker in it. Um, and we play, and it's a 600-card cube. So, yeah, you only draft, you can... we only drafted with 300 of the cards. So it's like, you can get that deck. That deck has happened before, but you can't try to force it because if the cards aren't coming, you end up with an unplayable pile of shit. You know? Oh, yeah. Definitely. One of my buddies was like, oh, I'm playing like Jund. Just pretty standard Jund because we were building in teams, right? And I'm like, okay, sweet. And then like, I finished building my deck and I look over at his deck and his pretty standard Jund has no creatures before five. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. We're doing good, guys. Doing great. And, you know, he went, like, one, three. And, I mean, it's fine. He had a good time. But, like, you know, he didn't learn. So that was kind of cool. So, that, anyway, the whole reason I started the story is this was regular cube. And normally, we've been playing a lot of variant cube lately. Everybody that uh, knows, anybody that remembers me from, you know, my long ago days on the <laughs> knows that I like to play different format because it's more fun. I like interesting new shit. And so, like, with Commander Cube, you know, people would say, like, oh, yeah, don't, like... You know, they still try to follow the philosophy of, like, don't force from your first pick or your first few picks. But, like, what would happen is, like, for a commander, you'd get, like, Zergo Helm Smasher, who's, like, uh, Jeskai colors, right? Red, white, blue. 
Uh-huh. And then, but you'd also get like Jace, like Bryn's Prodigy, or like no, not even that. Like they Liliana, so a black card, but it's mono black. And if you guys want to know the rules for Commander, you you can look it up. But as a just a you know quick aside, because I, I think the Commander rules changed today or yesterday. But you can only play cards that are in your color identity or whatever, right? Produce mana of that. So they'll be like, oh, like this this flip Chandra or this flip. Gideon or whatever is so good. I'm gonna try to like, oh yeah, I'm gonna just draft around this fucking Liliana, just like get all the Doom Blades, just get everybody, and then they like just try to force it because they have the commander that they have to play anyways. They don't even look at the green cards. They don't even look at the the say the the red cards because the red cards are all just aggro creatures, and then they end up with like a barely playable mono black deck because they don't have a deck that can play the three color Jeskai. So why even try? So it was interesting to play regular. That was fun. You know. Yeah. Like in terms of forcing versus like I mean it goes back to the classic architect. Are you an architect or are you a gardener? Um whereas gardeners they just kind of they feel it out. They they kind of look for what they're going to build as the draft goes on, whereas architects they go in with a plan. Um I kind of flip between two two the two. Uh I think in normal formats I go very much I I garden. Um, I look, I very much, I very much am able to discard my first couple picks if I know that those colors just aren't open. Right. Um, because I, I also have a fun game that I used to play when I drafted a lot more than I do now, which every draft I would go in, I would build my deck, I would pick one card, and I would guess to see if that was the card that I would never see the whole draft. Because, you know, there's always that one. You know, yeah. you go, you play, you play a three round draft you can just not draw one of your cards absolutely. yeah absolutely that kind of re- that's what helps me remind myself of like i could just never i could draft uh you know draft your first pick um uh, build around it and then literally never see it yep um so as well in normal formats where like your first picks are usually like high-powered uncommons or rares or mythics the bulk of your deck is going to be commons so you have to really, like, you have to really remember that the bulk of your deck is going to be made out of what you see. Um, so, you know, like, in back in, like, Theros, for example, you know, if you saw a Vaporkin in a pack, you could pretty easily, like, go and start going into blue, and you see those, see those high-pick cards that you, like, you were talking about in cube, the cube example, you know, like the Lightning Bolt or whatever, like, you can reasonably assume that red is open, and that you, by four picks in, you know, if that lightning bolt isn't pulled out of that pack, then you can probably uh, go in on that color. You, like you look for signals. Whereas in cube, I, I'm the opposite. I like I like to architect a little bit too much, just because you can't. It, I I think cube is more constructed to me than limited. Um, whereas like, you know, every card is powerful, and you look for synergies, but like. A lot of times you just want you like you really just want to draft that deck and you're really optimistic and you're really, you know, you go in and you're just like, oh, all right, I'm sitting down with Jay's cube. I'm going to draft the whatever deck I'm going to draft the you know, if you had Tinker or whatever, you draft the Tinker deck or I'm going to draft this. Whatever reanimator deck or I'm going to draft the storm deck or, you know, you just with cube, there's more of a more of a hype like you go in and you kind of have to fight off that tendency to want to just start drafting a deck 
like before even pick one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I've I've tried to learn from cubers like Usman, uh, Usman Jamil, um, where he he's big into cube and we cubed a lot. He's very into. He will fight tooth and nail to stay as open as he possibly can for as long as he can. Uh, even though, like, I think he passes up some powerful speculative picks in the name of being flexible. So he'll like pick a sword over like a, um, you know, some other like some other more powerful, less flexible card. Yeah. Um, which I don't think is always right because I think that like sometimes your decisions do pay off. Like I had, I had one draft that was when it was dark Ascension Innistrad, for example, um, I saw the, uh, Giralf's messenger. I first picked a Giralf's messenger and then my second pick, uh, I could have picked up a second Giralf's messenger, but I chose to pass it. Two picks later, a third Giralf's messenger came by me and I was like, ah, I just should have taken this. I just should have gone into black. And uh, sometimes wanting to, you know, wanting to stay open, it comes at a cost. So yeah, that's true. But if that answers your question about what staying open versus uh, honing in on a deck, well, I mean, it wasn't really a question, but it's like an interesting topic of discussion. Yeah, absolutely. The way the way that I like to do it is, I just I take my first card and I'm happy with my first card, and I look at the next cards and I'll take the best card. And if the best card is like a decision between what my first card was and something else, I'll usually lean towards a card that already fits what I already have. But you're just watching to see like, okay, what's coming around late? Like pick four comes around and you're seeing a goblin guide in like a legacy draft or something like that. It's like, okay, uh, red is open, (laughs) move into red. I think like a big problem that a lot of people have is things like, um, it's twofold, but things like Doomblade and Lightning Bolt and stuff like that are like super versatile cards that can go in any Any deck. Yes. And so then you don't see those cards and you think like, well, obviously like red's getting drafted because only shit's coming around. <laughs> so then yeah. you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to take these red cards, even though they're not, you know, I mean, there's lots of good red cards. They're just not as good as fucking white. Whatever, right. So then, so there's that problem. Then I think the other problem that some people have is that they look at, especially in cube or in a high power set is they, uh, they like, there's so much stuff that's powerful that like you'll get you'll see like a late like lightning bolt like a fourth pick or even a sixth pick lightning bolt and you're like how is this still in the pack and that like enrages me as that sentence people say that all the cube <laughs> and it's like because you're fuck just shut the fuck up is why um it's cube every card almost is fucking the best like especially my cube my cube's not like a theme Disney Princess Cube. It just played the best. Oh, Disney Princess Cube. <laughs> so, I mean, that might be my next project. Hint, hint, spoiler alert for those exclusive listeners. Exclusive! Uh, yeah, that's right. This will just be for the regular, non-exclusive, non-Patreon, non-Laser Buddy watching buddies. It'll just be <laughs> So bleeding. everybody? Yeah, yeah, burn! Um, Funny because it's true. Yeah, it was a burn on me. It was a burn on them. Um, they... <laughs> It's like they'll they're like, whoa, ho, is this still in the pack? And then they go to like take lightning bolt and like then they're like kind of all over the place because the next card that shows up is like consecration thing. And they're like, Oh, how is this still in the pack? And then they take that and the next card is like fucking grave titan. 
Well, I mean, probably not Grave Titan. Grave Titan is arguably very good. But it'll be like a sword. Yeah. <laughs> right? It'll be like a sword, or it'll be like a fucking, like, I don't know, like some kind of, like a Dance of the Dead, maybe, and they've already got, like, oh, some, or, you know, it's something something that's really good, but, like, is, you know, or Brimaz. Let's even go back to Brimaz. And now they've got three picks in three colors, and, you know, they're, in their head, they're like, oh, but I'm just staying open, bro. I'm staying open. Just like, obviously, if lightning. You're broken. And then it's just like, Oh my god, like, this is the fucking worst. Like, you have an unplayable deck because you didn't... You thought that everything was open, but it, nothing was open. I think there's, <laughs> like, the three phases of a cube drafter. I think, like, I, I can tell I'm not a third phase drafter yet. And what I mean by, like, drafting a cube in three phases is that the first phase, you're introduced to cube, and you're overwhelmed. Like, the typical cube, especially a legacy or a vintage cube, you open a pack, and I remember feeling like this. I'm like, I have no idea what to pick. Like, they're all so powerful that, you know, you don't, like, the pick isn't clear. It's not like a normal set where, like, well, I opened a Planeswalker and three uncommons and 11 commons. Guess what card right. I'm picking? Right, yeah. So that's the first phase is getting comfortable with those, the fact that you are drafting insanely powerful cards. And then the second you start looking for synergy and you start drafting more and you start getting introduced to more decks. And I think, I think the tendency to architect in a cube draft is much more present in the like discomfort of a second phase cube drafter drafting a cube. So they don't really know, you know, you don't really know uh, enough about a cube yet to identify cards outside of their synergistic contexts. So you start drafting, you start, you see a deck and you're like, you see a deck that your friends draft and you want to draft that deck. Or you had a, dra- a deck that was successful the last cube draft. Um, so you just start trying to redraft that same deck as opposed to trying new things. And then, then I think as you evolve into a third phase cube drafter, you actually start to be able to both architect and garden because you understand cube cards. Uh, that they are powerful, but they are also very can be very synergistic in specific contexts. So you you actually start to know uh, what colors and what decks are actually open, and what you know by being able to identify cards that that certain decks absolutely need to function, um, and how you know knowing when and how late those go in the draft. So uh, if that makes any sense, like yeah, I think. Yeah. Like um, Usman knows so much about drafting cube and he knows how to stay open because he just is a third phase cube drafter. Like he knows. Yeah. It all. Um, well, whereas... I, think he, I think too, he knows when to pull the trigger. Like, so sometimes it's not always about staying as open as like you said, I mean him, he stays as open as he always possibly can. But like, there's got, there's going to be times where he's going to look at something and say like, this is a obvious signal. This is worth chasing. Because mm-hmm. if this is, if I'm getting this at this point, there is something going on, you know? Yeah. And that's like the upper echelon. That's where you want to be, that third phase. Yeah. And you also start to identify the cards that decks have to have in order to function. So you look for, so like, you can tell a lot by whether or not those are present in the packs. So, and whether or not you should take them. So, like, if you think you may end up drafting, like, a whatever deck, you take that specific card. Because even though 
you probably won't play it. You may play it, and it's kind of a gamble. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't have that card, you absolutely cannot build that deck. So that's kind of, if that makes sense as well. KYT, are you still here? What? <laughs> Did you pre-release? <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> no, I'm still here. Um, you know, I I relate to a lot of things that uh, Matt was talking about, um, especially Phase One coming from a competitive standpoint. Um, just playing competitive formats, and it just gives me a lot of flashback of completely. Even now. I'd be overwhelmed if I played your cube, Jay. Yeah. Like, I just opened a pack, and, and I. it's funny how cubes caters more to, um, I guess, a more, at least in my circle, to more a casual crowd when, I guess to them, they, they don't really care, I guess, as much. Whereas I look at a pack, and I'm trying to decide if this one card has, like, a slight, even a slight edge over another pick, I, I want to pick the better card. Um, and when I have to do that, I'm just, like, overanalyzing. Yeah, and a lot of people get trapped in that, and, they, you know, it's like it's like the uh, deer in the headlights. They just sit there, and they're like, well... Like, it's obviously not... It's like Jace the Mind Sculptor, but, like, is Jace the Mind Sculptor better than Mana Drain? Is, like, is that, like, a, which which of those decks do I want to play? Because, obviously, if I pass them, like, whichever one I pass is getting taken. Like, or, you know, or a Grave Titan. Like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> A lot of people have problems. A lot of people got problems, yeah. Yeah. That's why I have a, I have a Popper Cube. And I understand, I understand and very much respect the, the role of the common in a draft format. And uh, I think Popper Cube allows you to really hone in on building a deck without having the power level like the cards that are the power level of mythics. I mean, you have like cards like Rolling Thunder, which are rare or uncommon yeah. in certain formats, yeah, uh, and ridiculous at common. Um, but uh, for the most part, you're basically just jamming good creature decks. So, you know, that's my problem, kind of with like Popper Cube, is that like I find like. I either get like just ranched by bad cards that I didn't read, like that the I always feel like I'm getting got is basically what I'm trying to say. So okay. like what happens is I go to a popper cube and I'm playing and it's like all these bad cards or whatever and it's like no man and it's like kind of what you said it's like no man it's not competitive like you're just playing like you know good solid deck like there's less blowouts because there's less bombs and you're like okay that's cool like, that's a cool theory like let's check it out. And then you go and play with these people, and they know like these weird little combos with these little like commons that are like. The, and the problem is that these commons, when you read them by themselves, are either convoluted or they're like very obviously bad. Unless you like, like kind of like spider spawning was at first, uh-huh. where like you read it and you're just like, "This card is shit. I do not ever want to play this card." And then spider spawning was like the hugest like deck ever it was like everybody went for it and it was awesome right but it's like so i always feel like i'm getting gone and then i'm not having any fun because i'm like oh i passed all these cards that like at face value are fucking garbage but now i'm sitting here and i'm basically playing with that guy like at the edh table that you know plays cards that no one else knows what they do and he's just sitting there masturbating doing nothing and i can't do anything to stop him because i didn't know how these cards interacted so then i'm not doing anything or 
The other problem I have is if it's not that, then it's too simple and it's just jamming uh, good creature decks. And the, and I mean what I what I mean to say that's maybe a little oversimplification, but what I mean to say is like I don't get it. I'm too simple, and the format seems too simple, and this it seems like there's no depth. So I just assume there's no depth, and so I just always take the best guy in the pack, and then I end up going three zero or four zero in our draft because all I did was play twenty two creatures and a lightning bolt or something, <laughs> and and like your deck can't beat that or whatever. My curve was like three, you know. And, uh, like, could we do that with, like, Wacky Draft, too? Like, Wacky Draft, in essence, is, like, kind of, like, supposed to be a fun format. The problem with Wacky Draft is, like, these, like, old sets are so terrible in power level. And for some reason, when people Wacky Draft, they always do old sets. And then, also, like, you don't really notice it until you play, like, Theros with Ravnica. Or, like, Theros with, like, M12. Or Theros with, like, say, Innistrad or something. But those sets don't fucking go together at all. And they mm. almost they almost clash. Uh-huh. They almost go together so poorly that they fight each other. And you don't notice it until you're sitting down and you're, you're drafting them. And you're like, okay, well, I thought I had a pretty good whatever deck from, Innistr- from, the, Inna- from the first round. And, uh, and then you pick up the second pack and it's like, okay, well, I'm playing, like, red-white aggro. And I opened a pack that has the best red-white aggro cards from this set in it. I remember that. But these cards do not go in my deck. These cards are garbage. Like, these are not... This is... I'm not even going to play... Like, what the fuck? So then what I, what I end up doing, like I said, is I just pick the guy all the time. And I've, I can't even count how many times on, like, on two hands. I've just won by playing Grey Ogre and attacking you. And then uh. you, you die. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Popper. So that's the only reason why I haven't jumped into Popper. Although I'm really, I don't mean anything, you know, offensive or bad to the people that play it. But I know a lot of people play it and a lot of people like it. I just, the people I'm playing with maybe just had, like, had shitty ones or didn't know how to explain it to me. But I, like I said, I either felt like it was too easy or I felt like it was impossibly hard because the designer of that cube made it so that he could win because he knew the secrets. And it's like, that's no fun. I don't want to go over to your house and play Street Fighter and you know all the moves and I fucking I'm just pressing Y a hundred times while you fucking do some kind of Japanese seizure machine move. Mm-hmm. I want that. Yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I mean there are um I mean my my cube is very cultivated and it's very like Grey Ogre is way too way not like way too weak for uh my my cube's power level. Um but what I what I find is is kind of what you experience is that there's a lot of drafters that they'll they either never played with like a card like Rolling Thunder, um, or a card like Rock Slide, um, or like Agony Warp, or Consume Strength, or Jilt, or Pyrotechnics, or any of these cards that are just that can be blowouts in the right situation, and then they just get blown out by them, um, like Ray of Command, for example. Like, yeah, that's a great fucking answer. Yeah, people underestimate cards like that all the time just because they haven't had exposure to them. Um, you know, years back, Wizards had, I mean, it's very common in the, you know, in the history of Magic, they've gotten much better at designing spells and creatures to be more balanced, whereas previously, spells were way better than creatures. Yeah, it was so, like, why would you even play creatures? Yeah, I actually have trouble sometimes finding um, creatures from old sets to put in my cube, whereas I don't have any problems finding spells because sinkhole was a common. 
and him yep. to Turok was a common. Yep. And, <laughs> you and fucking, know, uh, what was, what, uh, Arc Dark Lightning was a common. And, Counterspell. Fucking. Yeah, Dark, yeah. Gush. Uh, just name blue cards. And they're, if they're <laughs> yeah. blue, good blue spells, they're the probably a common. Burn. All the good red burn is common. Yeah. Yep. So, Fuck. Fireball. Fireball's a common. Yeah. So, um, that's that's kind of uh, I I agree with your your uh, assessment there, Jay. In terms of a cube is super deep. I, I mean, popper cube is super deep, and uh, you can definitely draft. You know, in the right popper cube, you can draft some really cool, really fun decks. And it's a very skill intensive format, but it's also even less uh, welcoming, I would say, to new players because new players have seen the planeswalkers before. They've seen these powerful cards before because they're rares and they're mythics. Whereas yeah. like Popper, you know, who like who who knows who would look at Jilt and be like, man, that's like a time walk. Yeah, like, I'm not even gonna look that up right now. I don't even know what that does. That card. Uh one blue, one instant, uh bounce target creature as a kicker of one red one. Uh if you paid the kicker, it it shocks a creature. Oh yeah, it is like time walk. So yeah, in certain situations, you just blow people out with it. Like, um, wow. Yeah, uh, first time I played Rolling Thunder in a popper cube, I I five for one my opponent. Like we got into a board state where it was just we were just kind of playing mana and and building up creatures, and then I just I just Rolling Thundered his whole team and then attacked for lethal. Yeah. Dead, dead. And that can be difficult to, like I said, like sometimes you read these commons and you're just like, this looks like garbage. Why isn't your fucking cube? Like, why aren't you playing good cards? And then, oh, I got yeah. absolutely murdered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but uh, uh, to like to do a brutal, um, what do you call those, Jeremy? Segway? Segways. Brutal segway. segway here. Brutal segue. How does this relate to the new set? Because you guys probably purely. That yeah. was. Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you me, you trying. got onto it. You did it before I did because I was about to transition to that too. So, Jeremy, how did you do? What did you do? I, I pre-release. Okay, so I uh, I managed to get away uh, to do pre-release at Warp at noon. Um, good turnout. They had about a thousand thousand people. Uh, really, really rough news for like the local shop. Uh, they were on Friday, losing their shit because you don't know too much about Canada, and that's fair. Uh, but we had a big bridge collapse last week. Okay. And the bridge collapse was on our Trans-Canada Highway, so it's kind of like the interstate that kind of goes east-west. Of the entire country. Yeah. Now, the tough part was is that some of the stores in, in Edmonton got their product on a truck that got across that bridge before it collapsed. The store that I go to, their product was on the other side of that bridge. Oh, no. So Friday comes in, the manager comes in, he's like, where's the stuff? Oh, it didn't. They call around, start losing their mind. They find out, yes, the truck got stuck behind a, a bridge collapse. So the nice thing is that the store that I go to is kind of a, a smaller chain in Edmonton. Well, I guess it's a big chain in Edmonton, but a smaller chain as far as chains go. Uh, there are three stores. So they were able to kind of scavenge from their two other stores enough stuff to be able to still play. The downside, they didn't have a lot of packs. They still managed to have their two packs per player, which is what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. 
but everything else was Battle for Zendikar. Uh, uh, but the fact uh, that they were able to scrap it all together, and they did like the good thing where it's like, hey, this is what happened. They told everybody up front, if you get Battle for Zendikar and you don't want it, just let us know. You can come and pick up some Oath of the Gage watch when it shows in the like when it, it walks right, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, Calgary stores do that often. Yeah, I see a lot of stores do that where it's uh, like it's a smaller store that's trying to get bigger and they're trying to accommodate a bunch of people and they start using those packs to do more. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why they transition to doing the the sealed like pre-release packs is that you used to have these stores that would just do too much or they would draft with the packs and they do all these kind of things that would eat up all the packs so that people are using those to play the tournaments and then they weren't prizing any of them out. Right. And then it's great to go on Reddit and just see the way people are scumming other people. Oh like my stores God, are scumming are people. Ever... It's like the one guy who was commenting like, oh yeah, they took a pack of our Oath of the Gatewatch out of our pre-release packs. How the fuck? Who? What the fuck? Yeah. Right? Like, I don't the even one know place where to I didn't start. pay out anybody at so all. So I, like, I go to open my fucking pack, and it's five packs? No, it's already been opened. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. fuck that. I'd be like, where's my sixth pack? And then they'd be like, some bullshit excuse. And I'd Here's be like, your battle for Zendikar. Like, I'm burning this shit to the ground. Burn it to the ground. Like, Yo. that's fucking horse shit. Yeah, uh, I mean, I can I can tell you, Jeremy, from a from a somebody who used to run a store. Yeah. Um, the two pack allocation is really rough sometimes. Oh the yeah, because uh, like I would want to do like I would want to host larger prize pool uh, pre release events. Yeah. The problem is that when you do that, you have to make the decision of okay, so are we going to give out all the prize packs that we have because that's all we're giving out, or are we going to be like, hey? Uh, ask every person, would you, can you please, like, would you mind waiting for your packs? Or how does, how does, uh, like, how do you feel about getting your packs next week when we have product? Um, or the, what they were doing was, you know, give BFZ packs and then have, allow people to trade them in for Oath packs. Yeah. Like, you just have to make that decision. It's, it's kind of, I don't know if it, I don't know what Wizards, like, I don't know if it needs to be changed or if it can be changed, but that's the problem we ran into. Well, I think that what Wizards is doing is they're pushing people to make this a casual tournament. And there's nothing wrong with that. And casual tournaments benefit from having casual, like, uh, uh, a much uh, bottom-heavy prizing. Uh, so, yeah, what do they call that? Spread? Yeah, spread. So yeah, I, I'm fine with it. I don't go to a PTQ or a pre-release hoping to walk out with a box. It's not like the days of old where you'd go to these gigantic, like, 80, 100-person pre-releases. Yeah and hope to walk away with a sealed box. Like, that's just not reality anymore. And that's not the type of tournament that you want for this anymore. You can play a GPT freaking any day of the week, almost, it seems like. We, we've gotten to the point where some of our GPTs are moving into the weekdays because the weekends are just book solid. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't have a problem with that. The one thing I dislike is that I don't like surprises. When I go to a tournament, I don't like surprises. And that's... That's been things in the past where I've been surprised and that's kind of pissed me off and I've come on here and grumped. But what I just liked is that, you know, the store was facing a tough situation. They got their shit together, they rallied, and then they made sure to just let people know what the hell was going on. And I can't, you know, compliment that enough. Like, it's, it's, it's one of those things where stores 
can sometimes take their customers for granted. And I just appreciated that the store didn't. So uh, shout out to Warp2. Uh, they were streaming right most of the time. A lot of the- Oh, man. Sorry Same. to hijack your shit. Yeah, because we're like, like I just we can still talk about your prelease, but yeah, I but want no, to talk about something that is in in line with this and the whole like uh, the the whole of the pre-release and less so about the magic here. What would you guys think if a pre-release in your area was celebrating women in magic <laughs> and offered girls five dollars off? Um. I think I'd be fine I, I don't, with it. Yeah, right. I think I'd probably be fine with it. Yeah. But we have to be fine with it. We have no, we to. Don't. No, we don't. We have to be. Because if you're outraged, then you're a misogynist. No, I, I don't think that that's fair. I don't think that that's accurate. Uh, I, don't, that's I, you're, I think you're way off. No way. Yeah. That's the world we live in for sure. If I was pissed off about this, then people would be like, la, la, la. Like somebody even posted to my Twitter. It was like a comic of like a guy running like the 500-yard dash or something, or the 100-yard dash. And then he's like, and he has a little word bubble that says like, quit complaining at the same distance to a girl who's running the 100 yard dash. But then like the, in the comic, the guy has two hurdles and the girl has like barbed wire and a pit and like all this stuff. And it's like, okay, that's, that's like fine. That's like a fair social commentary or whatever. But like the fact that like we still live in this weird society where like you can do girls in magic and you can do $5 off for girls. But why not, like, $5 off for kids? Like, because you want to get, like, new people into the game and breathe new life into it. Why not $5 off for anybody under 14? Yeah, that's why fine. Not, people have done not, that. Stores have done that before. That's what I'm saying. But, like, why not? Like, you know, if I did, if I, like, I, I don't know, what, what, would, what do you think the reaction would be if it was, like, black magic player celebration and black people got $5 off? Nobody else. I mean, I don't personally care. I don't care. I can afford to play my tournament. Yeah, I don't care either. I just think it's interesting that, like, we... But I don't think that you're a misogynist if you would be upset that women get a cheaper tournament. I mean, like, I think some people will pick on you and label you a misogynist. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, like what, how is this different from, like, the ladies' night concept yeah, that I, bars do all the time? That's kind of, like, what I mean, right? Like, it's... I mean, that's what I mean. Like, if so, like, again, if it, if we took it, like, like so... So, like, no one sees a problem with it being girl. But if we made it, I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to broaden the, the spectrum of, like, if we made it black, or if we made it disabled, or if we made it trans, or if we made it, uh, like, some other, I guess what you, like, a minority, I guess you'd call it. It just seems like we're at a place where it should be, we should be, I don't know, I feel like it's okay for some minorities and not for others. I guess it depends what advantage they're giving. That that's actually what it comes down to me is the the money part of it is actually the part that is important to me. And why it is that is that Sorry, you the, mean important the, to you the the five dollars is the most important part of that? Yes, like, as to why it's 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 uh controversial at all, like why somebody would be upset. Is right. that it being five dollars cheaper doesn't make it easier. Or anything no. like that. No, no. It's it's one of those things where it's like yeah. uh, you see things like uh, ladies' night, or even uh, you know, magic would be like the ladies' planeswalker society type thing, yeah. where they're, they're they might go out of their regular way of doing things to make it a more uh, comfortable environment, a more inviting environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be a much more casual tournament. It might be might be run at 
you know, regular REL. They might have an extra judge on hand. They might do some extra things to do that and stuff that they wouldn't do at every tournament. And if somebody wouldn't get upset about that, well, it's like, well, you know what we're doing is like they're actually attacking the barrier of entry for this group to right. get into the game. Yeah. $5? $5 is not a barrier of entry to prevent no. women from playing Magic, not preventing Blacks from playing Magic. No. It, it's, that's, that's, that's why I don't think that's, that's, it's a big deal. If it was something else aside from money, something that actually impacts barrier of entry, then right. all of a sudden I think you could have an argument to saying, you know what? You're a bit of an asshole if you're against this. And that's kind of like, I mean, I guess kind of like that was what I was going to. I didn't know how to put it in words, but like, I've heard, that's kind of the feedback I got is that like, so first of all, like, <clears throat> we know that the barrier of entry for minorities of whatever type is generally just like immature and uh, backwards and like old school thinking. Just like in the trades. Uh, I was on Reddit the other day and a guy was on the electrician forum and he was like, hey, I'm gay. I am not, like, super come out yet to everybody, but I'm, like, been told I'm, like, I can't, I'm not, like, hyper flamboyant, like, I'm not fabulous, but I'm, like, you know, I've been told that you can tell and stuff like that, and I just wondered, if I went to be an electrician, would this be a problem? Like, I'm not going to say anything, I don't wear pink, I'm not going to wear a pink hat, hard hat, but, you know, people have said that they could tell that I'm gay sometimes, so would that be an issue? And I was, like, yeah, it's, it would be an issue, 100%. Uh, it would be an issue for a bunch of different reasons, mostly because the trades are backwards and fucking stupid. Um, and even to go, like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say and whatever the case may be, but if you talk to every other trade, they kind of think all the electricians already are. That's true. That's, that's you know, that's... <laughs> like, okay. the trade is very backwards and they have very established joke routines. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every, route, every joke is... There's no such thing as an original joke in like no, uh, in, in no. the trades. And the thing is, the thing that I like. So my my story was anecdotal to him, but I told him my story of that. Like when I was working at a company and Ferguson was happening, yeah. we would go to the trailer for lunch and break, and then of course, like so, everybody talks about like what they see on face because they're old as fuck. Yeah, talk about what they see on like the actual real news on TV that I didn't know is still on. And, like, what other people post on <laughs> Facebook. So, of course, they're getting, like, you know, the most unbiased opinions, obviously, because, you know, grandma's racist meme post on Facebook. But, um, and they would just start talking about it, but they weren't talking about it in a way that was intelligent or in a way that was furthering or even, like, having a discussion about what was happening. But they were talking about it in the way that people that are smart talk about things like if as if they've taken like debate 101 for one semester at like a community college like I don't really know how to describe it but like you know those people or like people that are like 20 in university and they think that they're like really progressive philosophical like all of a sudden they like know everything but not know-it-alls that are like shitty they just talk down to you in a way that's like I'm so much like I'm so educated but mm -hmm. you're really not like and it's actually like the opposite but all they would do is just like talk about this just really casually in this racist, super fucking racist against black people manner about like, you know, yeah, if you don't want to get shot by the cops, then like, don't fucking rob someone, you know, kind of thing. Like, you know, why don't you think white people are doing that? Well, because most black or most crimes are committed by black people. Why are 90% of people in jail black? And it's like, you're actually just like furthering those stereotypes. Like I can, but like, so yeah. I, I didn't participate, but I didn't stand up for black people either. 
And the reason I didn't stand up and like make a big scene and do my soapbox and be in a movie, because that stuff doesn't happen in real life. We can't all be Drew Levin. Um, is that, is that <laughs> and like that makes me a shitty person, maybe. Some people think that if you don't stand up for injustice, you're just as bad and you're a shitty person. Um, you know, Billy Marino went down to Ferguson, and that's com- really I, I, Jay, is, it's funny that you met. I was there too, and Billy and I actually. And whoever uh, was, like, he I, stayed at my place. We were arrested together. And, there you go. Oh and wow! Like, and that's yeah. insane. Some no name and a homeless guy went down to. <laughs> kidding. Um, and that's yeah. insane. And I that's so fucking awesome. Um, and I but there's people that are in a camp that say like if you don't fight again, then you not only are you bad because you are letting it happen with due to inactivity. But you're also just as bad as the like as Hitler. You didn't stop the Jews from getting murdered and holocausted, so you basically contributed. You're just as bad, and I don't believe in that uh, because there's certain things in every person's life that is that are different, different situations. And so, at the point in my life, people that have been listening to the podcast for a long time, you'll know that I basically picked the worst time in history of Alberta. To be an electrician, I have been unemployed in the last three years more than I've been employed because I'm always the last guy hired because of because work's closed and then I get laid off and then I got to go to another company and I'm not in the union, so I go to another company and I'm the last guy hired because work is slow. So I work at a company for six months and I'm the last guy that got hired and I bust my fucking ass. I like in the trades, we say like you kiss as much ass and you maybe something not as PG, and uh, as as much as you can because I at the right now I need to pay my bills and support my family. So if I'm a third year and you ask me to dig a hole in the dirt or pick up something heavy and move it ten feet, some guys will say like fuck that. That's a first year's job. I'm a third year. I don't believe in that. Uh, I don't believe in that for a bunch of reasons, but the main reason is because I can't afford to believe in that. I need to fucking do a job. So I'll bust my ass, and then, but still, I'm the last guy hired, which means in most cases, especially in the trades that I've been a part of, I'm the first guy fired because I'm the last guy hired, and it just moves from the bottom of the totem pole up. So when I'm sitting in a lunchroom and my foreman is being hyper fucking racist, I choose not to stand up to him because I cannot afford to not get along with my superior because in the trade you i mean this happens in a lot of different jobs uh but in the trade we're still pretty far behind i want to say the rest of the civilized world yeah but no that's a first i mean i, I would so, say not just the trade i would say no, no. that like there's, there's certain portions certain of our continent of course of course you know, there's... Of course. Of well course. in canada it's not as bad but in my in my in Alberta it is, and just, specifically yeah. in the trades it is, and just and that's what I mean. So just in my experience, and like I said, this guy was like, "Hey, I'm a gay person, so can I be an electrician?" And I was just like, "This is." I even said, "This is anecdotal. This is my experience. This is my story." Uh, and I told him straight out, "Like, yep, you will be just fucking mashed. It will be the worst ever." I would like to tell you that there's some guys that you know one rotten apple ruins the bunch, and I'd like to tell you that. But I'm not going to tell you that, and this is why. And I said, you know, even guys like me who maybe want to say that they, you know, believe in equal rights and don't think it's okay to bash gay people or blacks or whatever the topic of discussion is, transgenders, whatever. Uh, there's guys like me that I can't, I can't stand on my soapbox and defend you 
even though it's the right thing to do. I mean, I, I haven't been in that situation. You know, we didn't have a black electrician working for us, so I don't know what would have happened if we did. But, like oh, I said, it's, because, it's, it's bad. Because like, we got I, a lot of Somali guys up here, and it's yeah, pretty bad for those guys. Because I work in an environment where if I don't get along with my boss, my boss can fire me for not liking me, and that happens all the time. So, anyway, we're in the lunchroom. They're having this racist discussion. I'm not defending them. I'm just not participating. I'm just on my phone. I'm just like, if someone is directly talking to me or asking me something, like, you know, I will acknowledge it. Like, if they say, hey, man, like, well, how, how was your weekend? I'm not going to just say, like, fuck you, racist. But my foreman notices that normally, instead of being talkative and making jokes, because normally I'm an entertainer in the lunchroom, I'm just not participating in this discussion. So he decides to pinpoint that and say, like, what, why, how come, like, what do you think, Jay? And I say, I haven't really heard anything about it. I lie. And I say, like, you know, I haven't really been following it. I haven't heard a lot about it. I've been pretty busy. So I don't really have, like, an educated opinion. And I don't like to talk about things I don't have an educated opinion in. And I'm sure that that came out more of, like, fuck you, you ignorant cunt. Is probably the tone I Because I was pretty fed up. Because it had been going on for, like, an hour. And I'm sure that he caught some of that. Because he's like, well, okay, so here, I'll, like, you've, have you been listening to what we've been talking about? And I've been like, oh, kind of, but I've been texting my wife, again, another lie, but I was like, you know, I'm not trying to ignore you. And he's like, so he's like, it's this, it's like, people are mad that black, some black kid, well, he didn't use the word black kid, uh, got shot in the States because he robbed some motherfucker and stabbed him and shit. The people are mad that this, like, person got murdered by the cop. What do you think of that? And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, everybody's presumed innocent until guilty. You know, cops, like, I mean, I don't know. Was he attacking them? And they're like, I don't know. And I was like, well, I mean, if, you know, if he's running away, they probably shouldn't have shot him. And then he's like, kind of gets it that I don't really want to talk about it. The next, this is on a Thursday. That Monday, I get laid off. The reason I get laid off is because I don't fit in with the company, is what I'm told, from a different person that lays me off. His boss. Wow. His boss was super transparent. I said, hey, man, like, I, I had no idea what was going on. And I said, hey, man, like, I would, I really, you know what, I, he's like, do you have anything to say or whatever after I get laid off? And I'm like, hey, man, like, you know, the only thing I really have to say is if you could find out specifically what, uh, what, what happened, I would love to know, not because I want to fight it or change your mind, because you've, you've, you trust him. He's been working here for, like, 20 years, and I've been working here for six months. So you're, I mean, you're not gonna. I, I'm not gonna change your mind. I'm not gonna like. I'm not looking to sue you for whatever. But you know what? I would like to know what happened because I want to know if it's like, like. I, so when I go to my next job, I want to be the best electrician I can. So if it's because you know I appeared lazy, you know I might not think I was lazy. But if I'm giving off the vibe that I'm super fucking lazy, then I want to know that so that now I know. Okay, okay, you can't be doing that. Okay, whatever. And he's like, you know what? That's really cool. Like most guys are just like either fuck you or most guys don't care. They just think like, oh, you know, I'm getting laid off because of whatever, but I'm never going to change. And, you know, we need more guys in the trade that want to be good electricians, not just do what they're told. And I said, yeah. He's like, I'll ask. I'll ask and I'll get back. So then he doesn't get back to me, so I phone him. And he doesn't answer and I leave a voicemail. And then I phone back about two, this is like two days later. And then I phone back about two hours after I leave that voicemail. And I get a hold of him and I'm in school. And I say like, hey man, like I don't mean to bother you. I just wondered if you ever followed up with my boss that, you know, that I didn't fit. 
And he said, yeah, I talked to him. And basically, and he's kind of stuttering and getting around. And he, he doesn't really want to say the real reason. But he just said, he just keeps repeating. Like, he just said, like, you know, like, you just, like, you know, like, you, like, you, like, we just, you, you, you just didn't mesh. You didn't click. You didn't, you know, you know, you know. And I'm like, why the fuck would that matter? I'm a first year electrician. I picked shit up and I put it down. Fucking scab. I'm like, is it? I'm um, yeah. I'm like, is it performance based? Like, I didn't fit. Like, I didn't work. Did I not pick enough things up and burn enough like, things down? Old school guy too. So he doesn't believe in things like this is too heavy, uh, or I'm tired. Yeah. Um. So What's like, a micro break? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, is it that? Is it like I didn't fit in because they're a crew of like tough mutters and I just, I'm just not. And like, is that what it was? And he's like, Joe, no, when I'm you're like, asking him, are you like trying to get him to say the real? At this point, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I have an idea. That the reason I got canned is because because the thing is I might not be the best electrician. I know I'm not. I'm a shitty electrician. I bet I well, I would bet you that I'm a fucking garbage electrician. But I uh, I try to be the best electrician. So if you tell me to do something, I try to listen to what you told me. I try to do it the way you said. I try to write shit down. If you give me a bunch of jobs to do, so that I don't come back to you in 15 minutes and say like, hey, I picked up the pipe you told me to pick up, but then I can't remember where you told me to put it. So I, you know, things like that. I, if you ask me to do overtime, I fucking do it. If you want me to work holidays, I do holidays. If you tell me that if I take a vacation to Mexico, you're gonna lay me off, I try to convince my wife not to go. She goes anyway, and I get laid off. But you know what I mean? Like I try. So I knew that it was. I knew that it was either he thought I was a pussy, and I wasn't lifting enough stuff, putting it back down, or that it was because we had this talk on Thursday. Because he was basically attacking me, like. He basically put me out in front of everybody and wanted me to either join in on the racist tirade or, I guess, not, and then, like, show my true colors or whatever. Because it got, like, silent in the lunchroom. Like, there's 15 people in there, and everybody was talking, and then no one is talking, and they're just, like, watching. It's kind of like in those movies, those intense moments where, like... Yeah, like, the guy walks into the, the <laughs> saloon and everybody shuts up. Yeah, and that's exactly yeah. what it was like. And he just fucking steered me. And so to bring this all back to magic, I think that's kind of like, this is the issue. The issue, like Jeremy said, the issue is not that girls can't afford $5 to magic and that blacks can't afford to pay $5 to magic. The issue is that we live in a society where people still perpetuate and actively participate in, in closed-minded discussions and, and some of them are even like they'll even attack you over it, and you know we. I'm sure we've all heard the guys say like, "Oh, I fucking lost to the girl, or to the gay, or to the kid, or to the old man." And I think the issue is like I would. I think one of the issues that was brought up that I kind of agree with is that I feel like giving five dollars off. And I mean, again, I don't know the whole story, so maybe they had more stuff, but I feel like just saying like, "Hey, Hispanics get five dollars off. Come play magic." is a token non-effort. It's like the least amount of effort you could do. To, to say you're doing something. To say you're doing something and lord it over me because they fucking lorded it, I tell you that. You know, what you could do is you could say, hey, we're going to do Celebrating Women in Magic, so, you know, we, we want to have discussions or we're going to, you know, or girls that want to come play, if you have any concerns or whatever, you know, we want you to bring them up to us so that we can try to make whatever the environment is that you don't come here. We want to make it that, you know I mean? And you know, you're still going to have guys that are going to say like, I don't come to your store because of X, Y, Z. Why don't you ask the guys? But it's like, that's irrelevant. 
But, you know, because there is a real reason that maybe homosexuals or transgendered or women aren't playing magic as much. There's a real reason for that, and we want them to play. But just saying, like, hey, come play. It's cheap. Uh, we're trying. It's pretty, I feel like, non, like it's a non-effort. And I don't, I don't think it's a non-effort. I, 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 I want to go back to this. Idea, it could be. I think that yeah. some effort is better than no effort, yeah, I was yeah, which is movement in the same. right direction. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to say that it's, like, I don't want it to sound like they should have done nothing at all. Absolutely. This is better than nothing. But I feel like sometimes you, and we've seen it with, like, Gamergate and shit. Sometimes you can do stuff and your heart's in the right place. But it causes more issues than not. Or it leads the discussion in the wrong way. Like, instead of guys now now actually actively thinking, because you'd still, even if it wasn't $5 off, you'd get guys that were like, whatever, why isn't there like a men in magic panel? Why is it a women in magic panel? That's fucking, that's not equal, that's whatever. But like, the thing is, if you start a discussion or you try to actively, you know, curb behavior, then you're at least trying, you're at least making people accountable for their actions. You're not doing anything to the people that are causing this to be a problem for women. You're not doing anything to stop them from doing it. You're actually giving them more fuel because your effort is not to fix the problem from the, by attacking the source of the problem, which is ignorance. Your effort is to say, if we make it nicer and more comfortable and appear better for you, you'll come in. But people are still going to call you a bitch or a slut or a, say I lost to the girl or the gay or the fag or the whatever. So you're not educating anyone. You're not making an effort to educate anyone. But you're saying that you're helping and curbing, trying to curb the project. But like really, like you're like you're not because you still you're still a business. You're still getting them to pay. You're still having them play in the regular environment. You're not telling your regular players on nights when there isn't girls there that they still shouldn't talk shit and be sexist. You know? Like, there's been lots of times I've been on FNM and I've heard sexist or homophobic or racist stuff. Uh, and there's no, it's not directed at anyone. It's just a conversation. That yeah. Happens. Like, that's as my judging, whenever I'm judging an event, that's just one of those things that I tell people. It just straight up doesn't fly. Yeah. It's like, I don't care. I mean, it's between you and a buddy and there's no black people around, can't say that joke. Because it's not funny. It's just not. It's just you can't. That's just the rule. Those are the rules. We're not in that side anymore. We're trying actively as a magic community to get rid of that shit. So that's the rule. It doesn't matter if you're saying a tranny joke and there's no trannies around. You know, you can't do that shit. But just stop. You're not doing that. You're just saying transgendered people come come pay less. Please come pay less. Please come pay us, but pay us less. So here here's where I I kind of agree and I kind of disagree with you. Sweet. Uh, yes. Like. I agree that like five dollars, like it, it seems like a small effort. It seems, but I, I, one of the things that like I constantly learn from every discussion about all this stuff that I ever have with anybody is that I, unless I'm very friendly and very informed and very nice, I don't change anybody's minds. Of course not. Yeah. I don't, uh, that, that's, I don't like uh, when uh, I discuss. Like when the when Ferguson happened, and then I had to go to my uh, very white uh, Midwestern f 
family Christmas and discuss this stuff. Um, I basically told them what I knew and what I experienced firsthand and how it was different from the media. And I kind of left it at that. Um, what, what, what I'm getting at is that these people, when they, when you inspire diversity, when you inspire more diverse people to come to your place, they, uh, nothing changes minds more than friendship. Nothing. Like nothing change. I could tell you, Hey, please don't use that joke. Please don't say that joke. People, uh, you know, it, it's hurtful to a group of people, but until you see a friend get hurt by the words that you say, or by the words that somebody else says, you don't really have a, you don't really have an idea of the consequences of that culture and that action that you are, you are taking. So to me, getting people in just, just, just having a promotion and just saying, Hey, please come in and then getting them in, you know, intertwined with people and getting them, getting them to meet people. And yes, I do think that we should have, uh, we should police behavior and we should inspire, uh, you know, I, I also at this, at my events and at stores, I don't tolerate any sort of, any sort of derogatory language towards anybody. Because I think friend, like making friends is, is the best way to get somebody to be like, oh man, what I, what I have, how I have behaved in the past actually really hurts the people that are close to me. Like how often have people realized that their gay jokes really hurt people they realize they come to the realization that their gay jokes really hurt people when a friend close to them says, Hey, I'm gay or I really hurt. Or I have, you know, an experience with like the gay family member, gay friend, gay, whatever. And by proxy, by making fun of them, you've also, cause it's, I want to make, yeah, you, like, yeah, people, I, cause that's, exactly. that's something that, that's something that people hide behind a lot too, is they say like, yeah, well, whatever I say, fag all the time. My gay friend does too. So whatever. And it's like, you got to realize sometimes it's not just, you know, you made a gay joke and someone directly is hurt by that because they're gay. Sometimes it's like their uncle, dad, mom, sister, brother, best friend. Like, sometimes they're just inspired by what they see on TV or whatever. Like, you know, if someone made a Caitlyn Jenner joke, maybe I'm offended by that. I don't know Caitlyn Jenner. But when you refuse to say you like use proper pronouns or when you call it. You say it's still Bruce to me, or whatever, or you just say whatever. Sometimes, if I, but like, I'm still allowed to get offended by that because that journey, whatever experience I had, affected my life, and I yeah. think that's like what I want to underline. But you had a very good point. I just wanted to build up. Yeah, yeah. I just think that like friendship, like friendship, you have to get into people's hearts in order to change their minds. Absolutely. Yeah. And like Jay, what you, I think you absolutely took the high road in those situations, you know, and I, I really feel bad for people who are in, uh, who are intelligent and emotional and have, you know, and are just enlightened individuals that work in these, in trades and these industries that when they're just surrounded by hateful speech and hateful actions where it's, you know, it, they're in cultures that supports that sort of, that support that sort of stuff. And, you know, if you stand up, you're just going to cause a fight. You're not going to change anybody's mind. Really. I mean, the reality of the situation is that 
you could you only could tell them what you knew, which was not a lot. But even if you told them, you know, even if you told them certain facts and figures or whatever uh, that you learned about the situation, like what the, what the hell? Like they're not gonna yeah, they're, they're, they're not, not gonna like stop. Said, yeah, like if I said they're actually, gonna try to fight with you. Yeah, if I oh, said yeah. actually this this and this, they're gonna say like whatever. Like you're obviously just either buying into the whatever. Or you're like that's bullshit, or I heard something different, or I don't believe that, or whatever, right? Yeah, and that's why I said earlier, like some people are of the camp of if you don't fight it tooth and nail, you're just as bad as if you did it. And I just, I'm not saying that those people are wrong. I just don't subscribe to that level of jihadism because I don't either. It doesn't change because it doesn't because it doesn't. It doesn't, I, in my opinion, in my anecdotal experience, doesn't do anything. And more often than not, it gets me in trouble. Well, also, it can be counterproductive because it allows people people dig in. Yeah, absolutely. Like, when that's they're, a when real, they're that's confronted, a real that's a real they just they dig in and they, it's actually counterproductive. Yeah, yeah. And that's absolutely a real thing. I've read some, some interesting studies about that and how, you know, people absolutely dig in uh regardless of what you say regardless of what facts you have regardless of what citations you have to back it up regardless of um what where the message is coming from yeah but i just thought it was interesting uh that it and i wanted to generate some discussion i'm glad it did yeah yeah i'm all for and i think i would actually be okay with with like um, minorities get five dollars off or whatever because I'm I'm all for promo- promoting. I'm all five for bucks would be hard for kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what else I would like? I would like it for parents if you mm-hmm. come with your kid. And the reason is not because parents can't afford it, but because parents who do not play might not see the value in it because they don't know what they're doing. So why would they come to a pre-release and pay thirty dollars? to throw money away like why instead of just coming with their kid and hanging out yeah yeah i agree with that like you know what i mean like there's lots of dads and moms i saw and big brothers and big sisters and aunts and uncles not lots but you know more than none and they came but they just hung out and then their kids come and say dad or uncle like or mom or whatever like look at this and then i did this and they just kind of do the thing that like all of my family did too and i was like talking about Pokemon when I was little, and like, oh yeah, Pikachu, I like that one. He's the green one, right? And he has a flower on his belly? I'm like, no, it's, uh, it's Pikachu, idiot. And like, you know, we're like, <laughs> I doombladed his Baneslayer Angel with, and then I used it, and it's like a swamp to do, and it's like, uh, okay. And like, oh, have you seen Devoid? And like, I don't know what that is. And like, it's, it's colored, but colorless. And they're like, oh. But you know what? <laughs> if you said, hey, dad, because he's got to come down anyway, right? This kid's there already. So he's got to come down anyway. And you said, hey, man, like, maybe it's your thing. Maybe it's not. But if you want to play with your kid, I'll give you, like, $5 off. I'll give you $10 off. And parents like value because being a parent is fucking expensive. <laughs> things are expensive because your goddamn kid needs stuff all the time. Like, you'd think they'd just get a job at three or four but no that's a two and a half mine could do something right i mean like i've seen lots of kids pick up blocks and put them down i mean that's basically <laughs> all i do so you know 
But yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I like. I actually say from from uh, having from personal experience, Pokemon. I worked Pokemon Nationals one year. Holy shit, that was an incredible experience. They give out like because Pokemon Nationals they have three different age groups, and they give out scholarships. Oh, as okay. their prizes, yeah, and then various like cool electronic items and things like that. But it is all families. It is all kids and parents, and it is awesome. It is just everybody is so much fun. Yeah. And uh, that's what I think where a lot of, like, I wish Magic had more of that. Yeah, we, we had our first uh, Pokemon sort one of our biggest Pokemon events. We got to host one in store, and uh, that's when I first read about the three different levels. Uh-huh. And like the ju- the the first two levels, as you probably know, like for certain tournaments, they get to play for free, and uh, that brought in the, like the whole store was packed with Pokemon kids and dads, and um, it was incredible to see actually, like that you would never see something like that for Magic. Yeah, yeah, we've had like city champs and stuff in the store uh because we had a one basically the we had one pokemon to in st louis and they would host uh their city champ stores uh in our store sometimes and yeah it's just it, it's electric it's fun and uh and that's i yeah. I, I grew up <laughs> with kids like i grew up in a store that was very welcoming to kids so the store that i that I eventually helped with was had a very adult audience and it's kind of, I don't know, it, you know, they can get cynical and uh, kids just are, are exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh wow. That was some discussion. I, I mean, the, the thing that Matt really, again, made me think about was uh, how I was first, um, when we're talking about gays and stuff, uh, transsexuals, I was actually, I met my first, I may have joked a lot about them or were disgusted by them in high school and whatnot, but I, the Magic community, uh, going to tournaments, I got to be friends with many of them, and it I totally made like a 180 in terms of how um, I treated them and, and things like that. So it, it made me think about uh, these past five years, how my mentality has totally changed based on uh, the people that I'm friends with and uh, and how I um, feel for some of them and try to understand them a lot better in, in, in their different situations. So um, it's so friendship does go a long way, Matt. Yeah, I, it's all about people. It's all about people and their interests and what they care about. If you show mm-hmm. them how the things that they do and actions that they take affect the things that they care about whether that be friendship or money or their uh, art collection or their magic collection, that's, that, that's when you get results. Uh, not, you, you, know, you can only tell somebody so, mu- so many times that like, oh, this hurts somebody's feelings before you tell them, oh, it hurts Steve's feelings. Like you just, you just like hurt Steve's feelings and they're like, oh man, I don't want to hurt my friend's feelings. Well, and I think that's that's a big one. Is just if you can't relate at all, then you obviously don't have empathy for something that you can't relate to. You know, like I I think, for example, that's terrible. The kids starve in Africa, but I don't. I that's 
out of sight, out of mind. I can't relate to that. I can't relate at all to that, especially because I have my own problems here. People starve here. Like People are poor here. People are losing their houses. People, the gay, the black, the Hispanic, the transsexual, like all of those plights. Like it's so, And that's stuff that affects me daily. The African mm. child starving to death doesn't affect me. So unfortunately, at some point, I have to, I can't care 100% about 100% of the issues. Right? Yeah. So at some point, you know, the number one issue is maybe get a job. Don't fuck that up. So don't fight the guy if he's being racist. Just, in your mind, compartmentalize him as an old racist fuck and move on. Yeah. You know, part two is educate people that you can about these issues. And, you know, the African starving child issue is probably on the, not high on the list. Fucking animal cruelty, not high on my list. You know? PETA, like with the fur and the eating animals and shit. I love eating animals. Not high on my fucking list. <laughs> right? But, like, you know, but uh. for someone else, like, for someone who, say, is really concerned about that stuff, that's, like, number one on their list. And until you either meet them or have an experience via media of some kind or a direct encounter of some kind that touches you in a way that either that creates an actual experience, it's very difficult for people to have any sort of empathy or any sort of even just reasonable thought. And think it, the thing, like I said, the thing is, um, you know, you can say, well, yeah, but people should know that making fun of races or sexuality or, uh, you know, any of that stuff is, is wrong. People should just know that. But I mean, you got to look at it like things like I could say that, you know, people just have to know that, it, that evolution is real. People should just know that. Like, why do people believe that God just created the earth 6,000 years ago? What about dinosaurs? Like, people just, just choose to be ignorant? And it's like, well, you got to look at society. You got to look at their parents. You got to look at what their parents were like. You got to, there's so many underlying issues. That's what makes these things so difficult. And that's why sometimes the only thing you can do is give $5 off and hope that it changes the mind of one person or yeah. start the discussion, right? Yeah. So speaking of discussions, uh, <laughs> let's move on to the modern bannings. I mean, I, my, what I don't about know. What about my I, fucking pre-release? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even talk about mine. <laughs> you fucking dicks. What about my... My pre-release was pretty awful. I I went two two. I played two hundred oh, giant. I fucking hate no big this guy. Deal. Fuck this guy. What? What? Okay, Jeremy, tell us about your pre-release. I don't have any much to say. <laughs> that was so good. What about my fucking pre-release? <laughs> oh man, I go? I'm worried. Right, yeah. Kyt, talk. Yeah, Kyt, you go okay. because I'm worried that my recording is not recording as much as it should record. Oh fuck. Um. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly like the person Jay was sort of, well, he wasn't talking about somebody, but that I, I tend to stay away from, uh, from any of these uh, strong opinions. Cause I don't have one. I don't feel educated enough about a lot of these issues to, to talk about them, but for magic, I, I can, I can contribute. So for pre-release, um, on, on Friday night, um, Sean Pacone, Scotty Mack, and uh, Joe Dad, we, we they wanted to play the new Diablo three patch with them to level up as quickly as possible. But that same night was the night of 
the pre-release off of the Gatewatch, but thank God there's like a, a store five minute walk from my house. So I was able to play with them for uh, close to four hours. Only got to level 58, then so I had to bail on them. Walked to a to the collect to the store was called Collect. So walked to Collect and play my first game of Magic. I haven't played. I'm like Jay. I haven't played in a long while. I haven't competed. That's why I'm not qualified for the current, the next RPTQ. I wasn't qualified for the one before that. I just haven't been playing much pre-TQs and Magic in general since my last Pro Tour. But uh, decided I wanted to have some fun uh, sling spells again. And a lot of people wanted to see me, a lot of local players. So I obliged. I got there. Um, <laughs> so, so humble. So humble. Right? Right. <laughs> they, were fucking, they were fucking begging me. They're like texting me. You, you got to show up. It's like, come on. It's fucking five minutes from your house. I'm like, fine. <laughs> so, you know, I got guilt, guilt trip to going. And, uh, well, not really. I'm exaggerating. because No, of them, no, not at all. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> Uh, one of them actually listens to the show, so yeah, uh, yeah. That guy has a mission. He he had a mission, man. He's like, you better fucking show up, and I'm like, okay, okay. Um, open my pool. Uh, I ended up building a very aggressive uh, black white uh, deck. I was really surprised when I quickly skimmed through through the spoiler after work how many good cards white had in in the common slot. Um, they basically have. A oblivion ring type card, but for four mana. But still, it was like a common. And then they have other cards that are just really strong, and for limited play versus the other colors. And before the draft, uh, before the seal, I, I was questioning myself if I had to, you know, figure out the challenge was the mana base was figuring out how many wastes to put in. Would I have had to? Would I open a bunch of cards that required, um, uh, specifically colorless mana? But it turned out that my deck looked like it just wanted to be a very streamlined two-color uh, black-and-white beatdown deck. Um, I had learned, I think I had read somewhere that uh, the wastes, the basic land, you're not provided with that. Um, you have to open them. Uh, right, yeah. guys? Yeah. Um, and But that was, uh, I think that is still confusing because a lot of players yeah. did not read up on it. We had a player that was before we told him that we we read it, uh, he was convinced that, uh, you know, it's just a basic land. Like, basic lands are, are provided by the store. And I think one of the players, like, after round one, people were finding out that, like, one player had asked the store for a waste, and somehow he got one. So there, were, there was confusion, and people... Some people got, like, a slight advantage because of that. So that was kind of weird and off, and it was hard to sort of convince anyone that it wasn't the way Wizards wanted it to be because it is a basic land, and they've learned the, the whole basic land is pro- provided thing. So well, I to be think fair, that was like like most, a huge mistake and to by be, Wizards. To be fair, like, most stores advertise that. They say basic land will be provided for you. Uh, but this is, like, snow-covered land. Yep. But a lot of people didn't play with those because those were like a hundred years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. One hundred years old, Jeremy. <laughs> Actual hundred years hundo, old. The full hundo. But I mean, they're not. It's not like snow. Snow cut. I don't know. It's it's different because snow covered. Like you got a snow covered land in every pack. 
like when Cold Snap came around, you got yeah. one in every pack. So they were plentiful. But I didn't get a single waste. Like, it's interesting that they didn't do that with waste. And does anybody know the reason? I, I don't. I, I, like, I think don't they should it. have. Like, I, but like, it's interesting that they did it with, like, say, Zendikar. They did, you know, if they were doing full art basics again, they did a full art basic in every pack. And with, with uh, you know, a set that cared about snow-covered, like, they put a snow-covered in every pack. And then you have now you have a set that cares about colorless, specifically waste, and you made a land for it, but then you didn't like follow that pattern. I just think it's interesting. Maybe it was a case that it made drafting worse. Yeah, like during playtesting, they figured it out, kind of. Like, like if, if you, you could if just you take, had, yeah, colorless cards. Yeah, if you could just take all the waste, because while it is colorless. When you're playing in sealed or whatever the case may be, if you're playing with cards that require colorless mana, you're playing a third color. Like it's not like the old days where all the artifacts were generic mana. Like the cards that had the colorless symbol on them that are colorless. I see what you're saying. Creatures, it's basically a third color. It's essentially a third color. You have to play lands that are not going to provide whatever your base colors are in right. order to play with those right. cards. You could never cast Kozilek with just your. With mountains just your blue and red deck. islands. Yeah, or... your mountain island. Yeah, you could never do that. Yeah, I, I mean, my point was maybe they wanted to make actual colorless cards uh, more like more of a draft decision and not just like uh, you automatically pick take them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, it, exactly. That's what exactly what I think is that if there was, let's say, at a table, uh, what is it, 24 wastes that are going to be open in a draft? There's not really much of a penalty to taking the wastes. No, taking the colorless cards, not the wastes. Well, yeah, sorry. Well, even, take, even taking the wastes, because if you're in a different situation where the wastes are rare, then you have to take the wastes sometimes over top of something that would be considered a playable card. It's not, you know, take the unplayable or waste. It's kind of, I've got to draft this waste in a position that I don't really want to draft it. So, yeah. Anyway, we interrupted KYT. <laughs> That's fine. Surprise. Um, so there was a there was confusion. Um and but it's it's a small local store and it's not like first prize was a big deal. So there there wasn't like a huge deal made about it. And um I ended up winning my first two rounds. Um and round three lost to this card that I think is just an absolute superstar in common, maybe the best, because I haven't actually scanned the entire spoiler, which is Essence Depleter. I don't know if Jared had the pleasure of playing or playing against it. That card but... is the most broken fucking card <laughs> in the goddamn fucking set. It's a 2-3 three for 3, uh, well, 2 colorless, one, uh, 2 generic, 1 black, uh, Devoid, and it has 1. You, have, you can pay 1 colorless and 1 generic. And one. Yeah, one and one. And one generic. Yeah, and you drain for one life. So and it's not if... a tap. No, it's not it's a tap. Oh. oh shit! Yeah, the card so is, is fucking dumb. Yeah, my opponent had a waste. Gun Potter, it's dumb. <laughs> he, he, what is this he card called? Uh, Essence Depleter. Okay. So he has like a waste and like uh, one of those, I would say, ma like cult colorless mana dork. So he could drain me for two every turn, and 
we were in a top deck war, and I'm just like, I can't outrace that. Yeah, you can't. So. The card is just, it's, it's a game winner. Yeah. It's a black Man, and looking black. at this card, it just seems like super unassuming. I'm just like, whatever, this card looks like it sucks. But then, yeah, you, and it's because you assume certain things based on the pattern of like, well, this is obviously a tap ability, or this is obviously going to say like, you can only use this once per turn, or et cetera, et cetera. This is still a no? format where three toughness is actually like on the the upper side. Yeah. You know, two toughness is if it had two toughness, I'd be a lot more understanding about this card. But the fact that it can block a lot of like the dorks that are out there yeah. and can do this BS is just oh man, the card is just brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. I I I, I couldn't kill it and he, he just wrecked wrecked my day. Uh, wreck my night rather it was uh quite late um and in round four i was uh, against a aggressive boro stack and um it was one of those situations where um usually i'm pretty loose in in uh, i would say in pre-releases um i don't know how you are jerry if you're you're how how you are in, in the range of being cutthroat and and loose when someone wants to Take back a move or two at a pre-release. Pre-release, I'm I'm pre-release. Uh, my rule is is did I give them any information? If they try and do a takesy backsy, like oh, I'm well, I'm just going to counter that, or you know, they did something and tried to kill something, and then they realized that they left themselves like dead on board by doing it. I'm not one to do it in that spot there, but for the most part, like it's it's take backs on everything else, like just so long as that they haven't really gained a huge advantage from me. Well, so I had, I had the person, uh, I had the player basically dead because I had enough attack and, and she tapped most of her mana for a creature. Yeah. And, uh, and then she's like, Oh, Oh, can I take it back? And the one card I, in my hand was planar outburst. So like, I don't know if it, <laughs> if it contributed to my decision and the fact that I knew that in the two one bracket, and we were only doing four rounds, uh, the way our store structures it, I think the difference would be if I lost, I get one pack, which I did, and if I won, I got two packs. Okay. So like the whole, <laughs> so being cutthroat wasn't high even stakes. in the equation. Yeah. High stakes. It, it was very low stakes, and the fact that I'm like ah, I had a I have a planar outburst. Ah, you know, nothing can go wrong. So I let it. I let her take it back. Then she decides, and I only have one card in my hand. And part of me, like a small uh, percentage of me, wanted to say, wanted to, felt like there was a chance that you know something will go wrong because I because I'm so confident that my player outburst is like a really good card in the spot, and I I I think I had enough mana to awaken. But then she. uh, takes back her move and then plays Thought Not Seer. Thought Not Seer. <laughs> and I get completely owned. I'm like, I'm like, oh fuck. I feel so embarrassed to just exile the planar outburst in my hand. And uh, she continued to beat my face in with the Thought Not Seer and, and the other creature that she had. So, uh, very unfortunate, but uh, so did I, I didn't really like, care. What does, did she play one creature and then just like during her main phase want to take it back and play a different one or did she like play her creature past the turn and then as you were attacking for lethal like how did that how did 
I, I think that, that. Oh yeah, you, you're right, Matt. I think that move just blew my mind so much that I forgot that she probably maybe um, played possibly like played a bigger creature and uh, maybe played a five mana. She had like six mana and she played a five mana creature, but took it back and played Thought Nuts here. That's I think a four drop. And probably like a two-two, so she could like block uh, enough, or or something. There was just some detail that that changed the entire um, the game for her. So okay, so but it was all during her main phase, right? Right, all during her main phase. Okay, so I agree with that. I agree with that. Takes you back, please. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things. Like, what what am I giving up? I I didn't give up anything there. So yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It was just funny though. I'm like, eh, I'm probably gonna die in this somehow, and I, I'm like, but I was. It was just the way for me. It was just like I still got the, my attitude in my head. I still got this in the bag. Got the swag. And, yeah, I got the swag, and then she plays that card, and I read it. I'm like, holy fuck! You had to read the here. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I haven't been. Uh, I haven't been paying attention. Oh, man. buddy, so. come on! You work in the industry now. That card's not. It so is, did you know her or not? I did not know her at all. Okay, so. good. I agree with that. I, I, I'm one of those people that pre-releases that if I play with you regularly at tournaments, oh, you're, you're damn well better be sure oh, we're going to play yeah. regularly. Yeah, oh. yeah, that's, that's true. That's that, very fair. That, and then that, that goes for friends, too, where you're just yeah. like, come on. Yeah, concrete is funny. <laughs> you you're know better. <laughs> you know what I come hate on. the most? Speaking of that, you know what I hate the most is when you're playing with your friends, and they... We'll try to do take these backsies all the time, and then when you <laughs> try to do a take these backsies, those are fuckers. They're like, ah, oh, like I guess, like I mean, like it just totally changes. Like, oh, I guess, like I guess, like. Uh. Oh, well, those people are assholes. Yeah, they are. And I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, fuck okay. you, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> they're ex- yeah, they're assholes and they exist for yes, sure. They do. <laughs> Thousand and one well, excuses. Yeah, and it's like, and then, but you're allowed to do a fucking take. <laughs> and and that was it. Uh, the other thing that I would like to say is that people were coming up to me, asking uh, like after their first couple of rounds or something, or or even after the tournament, to check over their deck to see what how I would have changed it. And a lot of them were really pushing uh, how many wastes, like how how their mana base was going to look like. They were really really stretching it. Some of them were playing like three. Uh, to four colors and uh, a waste or two. Oh, yeah, see, that's just... Oh, wow. Well, because they probably don't understand, like yeah. Jeremy said earlier, that a waste is actually, your, like, another color. Right, right. Set, so, right? They they were really stretching it, but, but of course some of them ran really hot, right? Like, they just, like, got it all at the same time, so they never felt... It's like they, they never felt it was an issue. Of like, course. I ran... It ran really well in the tournament. I'm like, yeah, of course. Of course yeah, like it ran well. Four, on turn four, I had all three colors and a waste. Like, I couldn't lose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so it was uh, it was interesting. They they were being really greedy, and, and I expected that to be a challenge, but I guess less of a challenge because uh, they, the waste were not provided. Because if they were, you know, some people would go even crazier, I think. Um, but of course, there are really cool colorless lands that can produce color. Oh yeah, uh, and some temporarily. Like the one I really like was the one that comes into play tapped. Yeah. But when it comes into play tapped, you're you're allowed a mana of any color for that turn. So 
Um, I had the 2-2 black creature. Uh, so I, I could play it, but its ability is just colorless to turn it to death touch. So it was perfect. It was my only black card in my hand. I could play it with that land, and then I had the land to use its ability. So it was all upside for me. So that that's a very good card. And um, I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out in draft. But uh, for the most part, I, I enjoyed it. I had fun. Um, my deck was just uh, typical, I felt, corset-type bears plus tricks and flyers type deck but no i enjoyed myself i'm really excited about that enters the battlefield tapped and gives you a colorless or gives you a colored yeah. mana colorless land for all the aggressive decks in the draft format because a lot of them like come into play tapped or you know they they don't they require like you to tap another creature or tap another mana to produce a colored mana whereas this one it doesn't really mess with your curve and then it also gives you uh, a colorless later oh yeah it fixed all of my double color issues like i was running that land and it's just it's fantastic like it just it fixes problems it was oh i need double blue oh well this is going to give me my double blue or i had the uh, minus four minus four instant and i casted it off of that freaking coming to play tap land twice and it just it felt great because i could keep dropping lands and it was exactly what i needed at that point uh i ended up opening my pool and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm with like a bunch of like the Alberta sickos. I got Doug Potter at the table, Marcel's at the table, Eric Chan, like just, we got a bunch of guys at the table and I'm going through my pool. And the one, like the, the, the phrase that slips through my lips is I don't have any creatures. <laughs> <laughs> like my pool was just stupid creature light. I had some green, like idiots, which kind of always get, but black, blue, not a whole lot of anything. Maybe like six creatures in each color. So I'm looking, okay, well, what do I got for aggressive things? And then I had a whole bunch of really aggressive white and red spells. So I'm like, okay, I can build like some sort of burrow stack. But I put together the burrow stack, and my burrow stack doesn't start till four. Like all my creatures, I don't have any. Like oh, I have a few three like drops. A standard, I'm like, uh, it's like a standard Jun deck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the standard Jun deck, as you put it. So it's like, okay, so I've got the aggro mid-range deck in uh, Boros, or I've got the Demir control deck. And I, I settled on the Demir control deck because it just looked like it was a lot more fun. I was running like five different counterspells. I had the rare counterspell. I had two of the three mana exile counterspell. I had two of the uh, like blue and two uh, pay four or exile counterspell. Uh, I had an a gate. Um, then I was also running a bunch of removal. Like, the deck had tons of great spells. I had the uh, blue uh, bounce everything and get an 8-8 if it's uh, surged, which I surged that thing a lot. I played a <laughs> real solid control game. But I sit there and I put together this deck, and I'm like, okay, I think that this is... I, I think the no-creature deck is going to be a lot more fun. So I, I settle on playing it. I get paired against Doug Potter right off the get-go. Doug's playing, and he gets that guy out. And he was kind of going on about how good it was. But then it's on the other side of the board, and I don't really have a lot of creatures, and I've used a bunch of removal to kill all the other giant fucking rares he had because his deck was just silly. Which guy does he have? Uh, he has the, uh, the drain guy. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Because he had a couple of the guys who tapped for colorless, and I had killed those, and then he gets the drain guy out. And I'm like, okay, well, it can't be too bad. And then I realize he's got a waste. He's got 
some other just taps for a colorless land. Uh, then he also had the taps for two colorless if you have seven or more lands out. So he's draining me for four a turn. <laughs> uh, he's he's sitting there he's like you're playing control you have all the counter spells and i don't need to do anything so i'm just not going to do anything and then right. he gets the idiot that uh will exile a card from your hand for four mana mm -hmm. and i, I love the fact it. that these guys here these these two guys or these cards they don't tap so it's like comes into play eat your card Oh yeah, brain, uh, brain bite, or uh, not yeah. brain biter, uh, mind yeah. melter. Yeah, mind melter. Yeah, the mind melter. He mind melts me, and then mind melter is also another like just fantastic card because it can't be blocked. So it's it got like the uh, invisible stalker thing esque going on to it. It's not, it's it's not hexproof or anything crazy, but it's still it can attack. Uh, it is like a fair cost. And it can do this effect where it just starts ripping cards out of your hand in like a, a board stall. Like he's the perfect board stall creature. He doesn't care about board stall at all, and he breaks it at the same time. Mm -hmm. So just not cool, especially <laughs> in my deck that's like just counter magic, where it's like me saying go with a card in my hand is supposed to be intimidating, and it's like I will eat your card and then drain you. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, you got me. So yeah, Doug smashes me. And then the pre-release kind of happens in the sense that, like, I played against a guy who I've got a tapping creature in play, a guy who taps stuff down, whatever, and he sits there and he's, like, in a position where he's, like, pump spell, pump spell, pump spell, activate this man land, and I'll go to attacks. I'll oh, pre-release. Yeah, you know, like, I get pre-released where I, I play against the guy who, he built his deck really well. I'll give him super credit for that. Usually when you play against this style of player, they don't usually have a good deck put together, but this guy had built a very solid deck. It's just, he didn't understand, so when it was done, it's explaining to him what do instants do, and how to take advantage of it, and waiting for me to act first, and forcing me to do the actions, and then using your instants, and knowing the difference between a sorcery and an instant, and kind of talking about that stuff, but just a lot of like playing through it with him, where it's just, he didn't really understand how magic worked. He was probably a kitchen table guy, and this is the, you know, he'll do four tournaments a year, and it's all the pre-releases. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I finish playing him, and then I move on to my next match, and it's another one of those matches where I play against a person who I never see him at any of the events, you know, that they're probably a kitchen table person. Play through. They don't quite understand how the rules work, and not necessarily how the rules work, but the strategy, like basic strategies, or you know, FNM's level strategies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nothing. Like they should have taken my card advantage course. They should have taken the card <laughs> advantage course. You know, understanding the, if I'm attacking and leaving you a lethal attack, there's probably a good chance I have a trick. And if that trick works, then I'm going to kill you on the counterattack. You know, like understanding those kind of traps and baits and stuff. And, you know, that's pretty much how that match went. And then my last match, I ended up playing against. I can't remember who it was, but it was a somebody-ish, like a, a good player, a good, like a person. If I sit down to play, I don't expect to walk away with a win. Like I expect to actually have a solid game of Magic. And we had a solid game. And it all, well, actually, no, we didn't have a solid game. They just got mana screwed hard. Yeah, that's actually what happened. They got mana screwed <laughs> pretty bad. And I just got everything that I needed to to capitalize on it. So, so went 3-1, got a few packs. 
Uh, honestly, my main goal to go there was I wanted to do some trading. I'm trying to get a bunch of expeditions. Couldn't get any expedition trades to go. Had one of those ones where it's just like, I had an expedition I wanted to get and we were off by $5 and I was on their side. Like I was over five bucks and they just couldn't find five bucks. And it wasn't oh, like we had pulled out. Of that is the worst. It was just like, I've got a binder full of all kinds of trade stuff. I want one card of yours. You only want one card of mine and we're off by $5 and you can't find it. Like, and it's like, and it's an expedition. So it's not like you're off $5 on a $10 card. Yeah. It was just like, Oh man, like, this come is on. brutal. Yeah, but, just find. Uh, uh, yeah, and once again, going back to why I hate trading. Yep. <laughs> well, then the, the other like five dollars switcheroo. The other one that was funny is like uh, there was another guy. He had an expedition, and it was like the blue black uh, Tango Land or Battle Land or whatever the hell they call these lands. And I was like, yeah, I, I wanted just to want it. Like I, I, I don't really want to give up anything too crazy for it, but I'm, I'm looking for it. And he goes through my binder, and he doesn't really know what any of this stuff is. He's not, you know, he doesn't understand the modern staples or any of that kind of stuff. That's not his stuff. Uh, but while he's going through it, uh, I'm pretty sure, like, one of the people in his group, they, they're looking through, and they see some stuff, and they're like, oh, well, can I trade with you? you take a look at my stuff. And in the, that pool, there was uh, an Oath Anissa. So it's like, okay, well, I know that this is a card that I'm going to want to play set up. So, yeah, I'll trade for the Oath Anissa. And I'll go up on face-to-face it's like it's a ten dollar card okay and they look at me and like so do you card trade for value or do you trade card for card i'm like well chances are i think we're going to be trading for value here because i want to make sure that you you know you get what you need so they go through my binder and they pull out three dollars worth of stuff like four or five just like junker cards that are worth nothing and they're like, okay, well, this looks good. And I'm like, ah, it's not really good. What are you trying to build? Mill. I'm like, okay. So I start flipping through my binder and I just start pulling out anything that could possibly be good. Anything that's not super high value. They pointed at the Snapcaster and it's like, mm, we're going to back up a little bit. That one's not good. But, you know, just throwing the extra stuff in just to making sure that somebody doesn't walk away feeling crappy. And it's like just shit that's been in my binder that is never going to move until I go to like a GP or something like that. And I just bulk it out. So, yeah. And, like, just also watching the people around the room who are just trying to shark in on those people, it's just sick. Uh, good guy scumbag. Like, it's less, I, I want to I hope, anyway, that it's less prevalent now that it's the second set with Expedition. Not I necessarily, mean, because this same is, group, but... the one guy, when I saw that he had the Expedition, I'm like, wow, I really want to get my hands on that. And he's like, he, he was like, yeah, this, and there was like some jank, like, bulk rare from the new set. I'm like, no, no, the land. And he's like, oh, the land? And I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to get my hands on it. It's kind of valuable. And he's like, oh, uh, I don't know. What, let's see if I can find something. And he's, he's like, well, I, I don't even know what it's worth. I'm like, I think it's worth like 50 bucks. And he's like, really? This thing isn't worth 50 bucks? Wow, that's awesome. Let me take a look. And then I look through on the website. It's like, no, it's actually worth 75 Oh, wow, it's like 70, like, they had no idea. If I had walked up to him with my binder and said, hey, can I trade you one for one on it? He probably would have done it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's just, well, it would be nice to have it. It just, that's not. Well, and that's, and that's the need, shit that you have to watch out The other thing is you don't for. need to do that. No, you don't. You really don't. And I want to see these people show up for events. 
I want to see more people playing Magic. I look at Magic like I look at minor hockey. The more people who play, the more great players you're going to have in your area. The more great players you have in your area, the more you get pushed. The more you get pushed, the better chance you have to play on the Pro Tour. Yep. If you're the best person in your circle, then you need to get more people in your circle. Absolutely. We've talked about that at length. Yeah. So, So, KYT, when you... when. When people asked you for advice, did they were like, or did they tell you that they wanted it despite the fact that you were no longer on the pro tour? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were, uh, yeah. Well, I, I live in a place called La, La Prairie, which is a small the Prairie city. Yeah, and uh, I'm just the best player in the city, so you know that's that's, that's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> you need to not a big city, I see. Yeah, no, no, population one. <laughs> so that was our pre-releases. Um, yeah. Do we yeah. want to go into the modern bannings or the outrage machine? Well, the bannings kind the... of pissed me off because Prophet Prufix is <laughs> oh, not that broken wow. a card. Dreadship Captain or whatever should have gotten, I don't know. Oof. I just, I, I, I truly appreciate that somehow the fine folks on the MTGO team, managed to fuck it up. How the fuck, right? <laughs> I like. I should have bet. Like I, when that announcement came out, I saw like a tweet, right? And I was like, "Oh shit!" And I was hanging out with BZ doing the cube, and I was like, "I was like, I was like, I just go." Modern bannings are coming up, right? And he's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "I predict Bloom and uh, Bloom and Splinter Twin." And he's like, what, to be banned? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, no fucking way. There's no way. You're an idiot. I disagree. I'm like, okay. And I should have said, I'll bet you money, because Brian has a lot of... Oh, like, Brian will gamble. Brian will gamble. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Brian I definitely will said, gamble. like, oh, yeah, I bet you. Because then, like, ten minutes later, someone's like, hey, on Facebook, somebody just said, like, these are banned on MTGO. And then, like, an hour later... It was like, oh yeah, they just made the announcement. So obviously somebody fucked up like royal. Yeah. And then it was like, damn it! I could have made some money. But then, you know, I'm just as bad as those expedition trades. Well, apparently, the I was reading Worth's tweets today, and apparently the bands require a new build of MTGO every time, or something. Apparently there's there's a lot of complex stuff, and I don't know. I don't that's know how stupid. it, but that's how it leaked. Was that that <laughs> yes. beta players? Yeah. Every time we we yeah. remove a when card they launched from our the game, beta with the new set, they they had it with that. They they had that coded in. They had the bands yeah. coded into it. I I thought it was like a hoax because someone was showing to me on a smartphone at the pre-release at the midnight pre-release. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. Then I look. It's the the URL is magic.wizards.com, and I'm like, what the. Well, we, we saw it like at our at our store at Friday Night Magic because I, I was able to go to Friday Night Magic. We saw that they had it the the Reddit post, and it's like, oh man, I, I should try and get on a computer because I've got beta access. So I should go try and do it myself. But now there's yeah. all the other kind of BS that's come out from that. I don't know if you've heard. Like there was the guy I guess on Reddit a week ago who said this is what's going to happen, and. Uh, something about there being an Eternal Master set that's in development that's going to be coming out that's going to be like Modern Masters, but it's going to be for like Legacy Staple type stuff. And there was like two predictions in there, and he's like, I have this information given to me, I'm leaking it out, blah, 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 blah. And then apparently 
the next step to that whole thing is that I guess there was a vendor talking about the modern leaks as if they knew it was happening. And one of the guys from SCG kind of said, well, this is BS and it needs to be dealt with or something. You know, it's all just like the random rumor bullshit, but it kind of goes to feel like maybe this information was even out a lot further, or maybe there's somebody who's in the know who kind of tipped their hand a little bit much. And apparently it's bringing some vendors into it. And those vendors now are, you know, there, there's some discussion as to like, are these people taking advantage of us or how much do vendors know or how much should vendors know? And like star city kind of waded into it saying, Hey, if a vendor knew this, that's bullshit. Everyone should know it or nobody should know it. And then everyone took his comments as saying like, we're the only ones who are allowed to know this shit. And which is just not what he said at all, but you know, it's just, Really, I didn't know really about that. Yeah. I knew there were huge jumps in certain cards. I mean, like I had heard that Glimmer Post, I think in the last week, jumped to like $50. Yeah. Um, whether that was in response to the new banning or the fact that it was just in, it was only in two sets like Arcbound Ravager was, I'm, I'm not sure, but. Well, I uh, think of as of this moment right now, Fulminator Mage is at $70 Canadian. Wow. $60 Canadian. It just fired up to 60 Canadian. Is that a lot? Because I thought Fulminator Mage was always high, wasn't it? Uh, I know at my local store, it was in the showcase for like 27 bucks. Oh, okay. So it was high in that it was a $30 card. Now all of a sudden it's a $60. Yeah, it's like doubled in the last day. And that could, be, that could mean like, what, that it's getting banned or that it's getting reprinted and they're trying to cash them out for more money before it gets reprinted or what? No, I think what that means is I, I don't think that that's insider information or anything like that. I think that that's just the reality of what does modern look like without twin? Oh, yeah, Boom. I see what you're saying. Urza yeah. looks like, you know, Tron decks look very strong. Uh, you have the new Black Eldrazi deck, which with its new tools might actually be a tier one deck. And then you've also got... Uh, Infect and uh, Affinity, which, again, having a way to kill off Ink Moth Nexus is pretty important. Yeah. So, I was I was super surprised by Splinter Twin. I I expected Summer Bloom and Blood Moon or Summer Bloom and something else. I I, I for some reason thought that Summer Bloom might not get banned because, really, like the the Titan deck, the Bloom deck is is powerful, but it's not like oppressive. Uh <laughs> it's not like the only deck in modern. It's it's okay. It's not oppressive by I don't think it's oppressive by percentage played, but I also feel like Summer Bloom is a deck that is actually difficult for people and that the people who put the time in on it, they have an unfair advantage. Their deck is that much better than everybody else, but it's not a deck you can just pick up and run with. It's yeah. a deck that you have to really understand, and the people who do really understand and have put the work into it are playing on a different set of terms. And yeah. it's shown from results. It's the type of deck that people who know what they're doing with it end up in the top. And uh, it's, it's put up the results. Twin? Twin is, again, just another one of those curated bannings. They want to kind of see what the format looks like. Um, there's a lot of decks that can exist with Twin existing. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more control-style decks and a lot of abusive decks. I, I, I think modern is going to be a really funny place for a little bit here. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering w years down the line, because I think of like the abandoning like Wild Nakatl, you know, and how people, the, its main complaint was that people were designing 
it limited design space for aggressive decks yeah. because if you like if you were building an aggressive deck why would you not either play affinity or uh naya because wild nakadal yeah. and then they unban they banned nakadal and then um and then they unbanned it and realized the zoo decks really aren't that good splitter twin however has a like i don't know if they're ever going to be able to unban it because i mean we have all almost all the tools to deal with it i mean we have tons of interaction we have tons of like when you can go torpor orb spell sky rending volley combust dismember you can do all sorts of stuff oh they, every set comes out has hate for it yeah like that's that's funny because i i saw people you know obviously you have everybody lose their shit whenever banning comes out and it's like ah oh, it's the worst format ever like why would you ban splinter twin when there's a brand new two-mana way to deal with it it's like but that's the same fucking thing we've been saying for three years yeah every time a new set comes out there's a new two-mana way to deal with splinter twin and nobody's dealt with splinter twin yet yeah and i think it's part of partially because it it just it does limit your design space oh like, yeah absolutely why would you not put in like yeah it's just that if you're gonna play a blue yeah. white or a blue red control if you're gonna play a deck like that there's no reason to not put the combo in yeah and then to put it on the other side is that if people do attack your combo you're not penalized for it because you can just turn into a traditional control deck with like Karanos. Yep. Like you, you punish them to it, the deck is just, it's too much in people's heads. You sit down and you play against them and they either shoot themselves in the foot by respecting the combo too much, or they don't respect the combo at all. And you just combo them out. And then after board, you can be a completely different deck, but there's nothing to tip off that you are a completely different deck. They have to play against you the exact same way. And whether or not that that's a good thing or a bad thing doesn't really matter. It's just that's what, that's what we've done is that we've kind of cropped out this whole thing. And there's, there's going to be a certain argument that, you know, it's like we're taking away a deck that hasn't done all this stuff. But I know that I don't like to play a lot of traditional decks. I try to brew some stuff up. I try to play like little goofy combo type stuff like that. And when I go online and play with them, it's all fun until Splinter Twin shows up. Because that deck pushes all the decks that I like to play, it pushes them out. Yeah. So I think it's, I'm excited to kind of see what's going to happen. But again, this is one of those ones where we could be sitting here next year at this time and Splinter Twin could get unbanned. Or maybe it's Blood Braid Elf that gets unbanned. Or maybe it's Stoneforge Mystic that gets unbanned. Who knows? I mean, like, yeah. I don't have any investment in Modern at all. As everybody knows, yeah. But I would love to see them unban everything. And like, because like when they first made the format, they pre-banned a whole bunch of stuff, and I would like to see what it would be like if they didn't do that. Uh, there's some stuff that you have to keep banned. Like, there's some stuff that's just so ridiculously wonky. And then like, there's some people who just picked up on it, like the Infect deck that came out right uh, at the like the very first modern approach uh, where Sam Black pretty much broke the thing. Oh yeah, okay. Sure, you know, like sure. there's there's some cards that you just yeah the shul yeah okay yeah. sure yeah and like that's fine like I mean like unban everything that was pre banned I guess yeah like I think I think dread return is maybe too powerful I think uh, skull clamp is too powerful I think jit's too powerful there's there's some cards on there that you just one hundred percent can't unban. But there's know, some yeah. stuff on there You're that right. you definitely can like there's, there's but I'd like to just see what it what it ends there's up two tiers you know. And you could get rid of, like, is Jace the Mind Sculptor on that tier? I don't know. Maybe. 
Yeah, I don't know. He could come, but ancestral visions? Yeah, you can unban that. And one of the things that I like to see is, uh, we're even starting to see it in Edmonton a little bit, is that there's stores that are just doing unsanctioned, unbanned modern tournaments. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Or, like, build your own format with a different band list. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> that doesn't really have anything to do with the unbanned. Uh, yeah. No, no, what I, what I mean is, like, is they do things like, okay, we're going to play, like, we're going to bring back, like, extended. Yeah. But there's no ban list. Or we're going to play, you know, like, pick your own uh, standard. And, like, of course, everybody picks, like, say, Cobblade. And then they don't ban Stoneforge, Mystic, and Jace because you can play against a different era other deck or whatever. But it's just kind of interesting because, like, both of those formats would technically be inside of Modern. Yeah, but I think with that kind of limitation, you don't learn anything. That's probably true. You know, having the the no-ban list Modern at least kind of says, like, what does Insanity look like? Yeah, Yeah, I think it would just be interesting, you know? A glimpse of nature and affinity? Okay. Mm-hmm. Weird. I just wanted to say about the Splinter Twin banning is things like, um, I don't, again, I don't know anything about like modern, but like Jer said, um, to me, I've played a like very small amount of modern. To me, Splinter Twin is always the worst. So no matter what deck I'm playing against, no matter what deck I'm playing, the Splinter Twin decks were always the decks that I was just like, as soon as they did something that I knew was Splinter Twin or thought it was Splinter Twin, I was just immediately demoralized, couldn't do anything, and just, like, they always had it, and I just lost, and I just felt like it was just the worst experience ever in that format that I could have played. And I don't know if it, I mean, I don't know if that means that it is that but i just mean that i can kind of see why they would go that route with twin because everybody thought like oh no they're not going to ban twin that's that's ridiculous but that's just kind of how i felt was just because like i said like you know if i'm playing against affinity and they do whatever it's fine if they was playing against tron and they did whatever it was fine i don't know i just didn't it just felt you know non-interactive kind of goes back to the whole you know doom blade versus counterspell argument and it just kind of felt, it just, I don't know, Twin just felt like the, it was the elephant in the room. It was the monster that it was unbeatable, you know? Yeah. And I guess Watsy agreed. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's curating. That's something that they've kind of already set a precedent in doing. Um, I'm a little surprised that something didn't get unbanned, but, you know, it is what it is. So we'll yeah. play with it and see what happens with it. I just hope to see some new decks. Uh, I think that again, this uh, whole uh, this whole Eldrazi list is uh, a real thing. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think Jer- Jeremy. I don't think you're going to hope to see new decks. I think you're going to see new decks. Yeah. Uh, one really cool thing about modern, though, um, and coming up, and speaking of the Pro Tour that's coming up, a uh, friend of the show, Doug Potter. Uh, he's not really testing with anyone this time. So he's he's queued for the Pro Tour, and he's not really testing with anybody. So what he's doing is he's doing like a crowdsource for his testing. So he's put out like a thing on Reddit. He's put it out on Facebook. I think he's Twittered it out. And it's like a, a little survey where he's just trying to get people's information, find out where, you know where people rate themselves with the format, how well they know it, what cards they think are going to be important, what things they... And going from there, just kind of like 
building like a group of people to kind of bounce ideas off of and just trying to get information out of everybody and give it back. Um, let me just, uh, well, I'll make sure Kyle's got the link, but it's just a quick survey. Um, I know that he'd really appreciate it if any of the listeners could uh, fill it out, if you guys could fill it out, uh, just to try and get some information out of it. Uh, I, when he came to me, he said that he had the idea. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I remember when Cedric Phillips and Michael Jacobs did something kind of similar with their stream team. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking of, this is just a lo- it's a lower five version of the stream team. Yeah. So uh, anytime you do that kind of stuff, I think it's really interesting. Uh, you know what? If if you're looking at it from other perspectives, I think it's a fantastic way for Doug to build his brand in a sense that, you know, like people might be more inclined to see how Doug Potter's doing at the Pro Tour because, you know, they were a part of his success. So I, I think that that's really cool. Um, but you don't see enough of it, you know. Pro Tours are all about secret, secret, secret. And I think it's really cool that we're starting to see people get away from that. Uh, Pascal Maynard, he's doing his uh, articles for CFB, which seem like they're going to be a little bit more of a, a peek inside of what Pro Tour testing looks like. Uh, Chion's been doing his whatever Chion blog thing. So you got some really, really cool things that are kind of coming out there, but I just want to make sure that, you know, we're trying to push it and maybe we can see a lot of cool stuff come from this. So uh, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, Kyle will put it up there because Kyle rocks. And if we appease the Kyle, the Kyle is good. Uh, well, if you keep talking, Jeremy, Kyle is going to kill us. No. <laughs> so I just, one last hey, thing. I it's wanted... Monday. We can uh, talk longer on Mondays. Tuesday. Yeah, you're now. sending him the file. You're sending him the file. So yeah. you do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess we'll move on to the contest and then we'll wrap it up. I know oh, KYT is, 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 is dying too. Um, so we had one, the, the, uh, I believe the fortune cookie idea may be better for, uh, long breaks. So I will test that thesis in the future, but, uh, for this podcast, we had, uh, three comments and one entry, um, bullseye one wins the, uh, GP playmat with his, uh, comparing the, uh, filling the fortune with, uh, the card, uh, Kozilex translator, uh, with the flavor text from nothingness sustenance and uh the uh fortune for this time was emptiness is the mother of all things and uh so for this next contest and congratulations bullseye uh send your information to kyt at manadeprived.com and uh for the next contest uh i'm actually going to have uh kyle insert a small clip of uh, a player shuffling the cards in his hand and it's going to be a short clip. Uh, this will be a fairly softball run of the contest. But your job is to comment in uh, on the episode page who you think is shuffling those cards. So once again, it's it's going to be a name that shuffler. I'm going to play a trip. Uh, is this clip. like the softest contest ever? It may be. Yeah. Because. Uh, There's a way way that the contest could be better, depending (laughs) on who the clip is. If I see the clip and I groan, (laughs) then I'm going to groan. But there's one other person who you could do video of their shuffling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, but yeah. uh, So please be the second one. You will guess the uh, shuffler. And uh, here is the clip. If worse comes to worse, you just edict them and kill them that way, too. Okay. All All right. So we have another update for you guys. Willie Edo, up one game. All right, that was the clip. Is it an audio clip? 
Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, what we're an audio podcast. What were you expecting? I was expecting like they go on the website and they look at like a video or something. No, no, no. Oh, it's going to be just sound. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then there's like one person maybe that you would do. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know maybe. Okay. <laughs> but uh, comment. Uh, leave us a comment on the episode page on who you think it is, uh, or who you know it is, and uh, you'll be entered to win a GP playmat. So Jay, welcome back. Thanks. Uh, how was your uh, your first episode on the A team? Uh, wow. <laughs> Fires. Fires. I mean, to be fair, I'm podcasting on the shitter right now. I don't doubt that. <laughs> Again? <laughs> yeah, I got up to go take a piss, and then that piss turned into homemade Vietnamese liquid shit. Oh. So yeah, I'm pissing, you do it out the front and out the back. Currently, yeah, pissing out the back and making a, uh, making up my own set of cards for the Heads Up app while I listen to the contest that the new, I guess, old member of the A-team made up. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty relaxing. It's interesting. I didn't know if I would make it that this far. I thought like it'd be like one of those funny scenes in a movie you know where you run to go take a shit and then you forget your headphones are on so you you just like, yeah, you like get you your, line yourself yeah and then you land and it wins you but because you just shit the bed you also just shit your pants that definitely didn't happen so. well, that's good yeah. we don't want a live on the a-team <laughs> shit story <laughs> i'm also Completely different. I'm, I'm I'm browsing the internet and I see face to face games has tournaments. You know, we should probably pimp some of this stuff. But there's an Edmonton one coming up in February. Yeah, Woo! yeah. KYT face to face employee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I'm off the clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm on standby to judge the one in Edmonton. There's no fucking way Sal made it all the way to this part of the show. So nope. fuck that. <laughs> um. But uh, we, we talked about Modern, and it's, it's funny, it's, it's the best format I've been talking about in terms of popularity, just people are going crazy to the point where we've made the first half, uh, the first part of our series completely modern, and it looks like it's the way to go. Even in-store, Standard is pretty fucking dead, like, and, and I've been hearing that from not just our store, but from people who play other places too. Standard is at a pretty... Like not all time low, but it's at a pretty pretty seventy dollar Jace's buddy. Oh, man. it's pretty low. It's pretty bad. Like no one is really interested. No one cares. Um, and when the new set comes out, maybe hopefully it'll change things up. But if not, yeah, uh, you know we're we're going all modern. Ah, that's exciting. Yeah, which means that it is. I mean, it it is good and it is isn't good. When it comes to invest, just don't invest in one of these decks that can win on turn three or turn four, <laughs> and maybe your your money will be safe. Um, it seems that uh, Affinity has been pretty safe up to this point, and yep. uh, you know, in fact, Boggles, uh, Merfolk, a lot of these decks have been safe and hasn't really ever touched the ban hammer or was ever on the radar. So, um. Yeah, even Tron, probably, unless it starts, like, dominating every tournament, like, everybody 
uh, is starting to think it will, and that everyone needs to start packing blood moons or uh, even crumple to dust, which I thought was not. You know, when when we spalled it on mana deprive, you know, yeah, man, your like, card is a thing, man. Your card is a yeah. thing. Now it becomes more of a thing. So that's that's interesting. Um, but yeah, that that will do it. And hopefully, Kyle, I love you. I, uh, Jeremy doesn't love you as much, but but I love you, buddy. <laughs> uh, I love Kyle. Okay. <laughs> okay, uh, Jade, tell me. Is he guilty or is he fucking innocent, man? I think he's obviously super innocent. Okay. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Don't the that, is that how you Canadians communicate, right? Yeah? Yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, bye. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? Uh, that's just that's just uh, me starting to watch M- Making Murderer and Jay uh, having already completed it. <laughs> so good, such a good show. Have you guys watched it? No, no. Oh man, I'm watching it's, Jessica Jones right now. It's fucking good, man. Like it's ranked. <laughs> no, it's not. You said it's frustratingly stupid. It's enraging. <laughs> it's enraging as fuck. Raging as fuck. Yeah, like you can't not watch it, or you can't watch it and not be just fucking enraged. And you have to imagine Jay as the main character. (laughs) That's how KYT gets through. Yeah. This isn't real. This is just just Laser Buddies. This is just the stream nobody watched. (laughs) Could you imagine if Laser Buddies had the numbers of making a murderer? Holy fuck. <laughs> I wouldn't be unemployed. That's yeah, me. that's for sure. Maybe I should stream shitting. Like, I'm right here. I could just turn my fucking... Oh, God. I could just turn my webcam. You could see my fucking... <laughs> oh, Jay in true form. Yeah. I don't think... I mean, Twitch, I don't know how long you'd last. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. That might be Jay Peaky, though. <laughs> like, everything is, like... Driven to this one moment. Yeah. The culmination. <laughs> all right. See you all next week. I love all right. you all. Bye. <laughs>